And welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. It is Thursday. This is the Thursday, January 15th show. But we'll tell you now, it is not live. This is a pre-recorded show here on the air. Reason being, I am at the NCAA convention. It is a little challenging to do the show while at the convention without being holed up in a hotel room or just being in way too busy an area. Certainly, we have gone to other events like uh, the championships in Holland and Salem, Virginia, Holland, Michigan, obviously, in Salem, Virginia, and done shows. But that's because that's what we were there for basketball. Uh, The convention, lots going on. My first ever trip, as I'm speaking to you now recording this, don't know what to expect. Certainly have a lot on the on the table. We'll talk a little bit more about what uh, to ex- what we'll be seeing at the convention coming up later in the show. But that is why we have pre-recorded this show um, from the Hoopsville Studios. We have a lot on tap, and we'll talk about our guest list in a moment. Also have a new number one team in men's basketball and some other interesting developments along the way. Um, and so... Well, we're not going to be able to cover it all because I'll freely admit we're actually recording this before games even take place on Wednesday night uh, just due to logistics. So if anything happens on Wednesday night, we're not having it on the show, and we apologize for that. It's just not feasible, as it were, to pull that off before we have to be at the convention early on Thursday morning. So um, a little bit different, but we still wanted to bring you guests, still wanted to talk about some of the issues and topics and news of Division Three, and so we will do so accordingly. Um, first and foremost, um, obviously we talked on Sunday knowing we would probably get a new number one team on the men's side of things after WashU was unceremoniously beaten by Chicago on Saturday night. The result was WashU fell to sixth, um, and Augustana is now, again, the number one team in Division Three hoops, according to D3hoops.com, picking up 24 of the 25 votes. Whitewater was second, St. Thomas third with one first-place vote. They actually jumped Dickinson. Uh, Dickinson remained in fourth, St. Thomas jumping them by a single point, so somebody had to move them up. Emory moved from 6th until 5th. Marietta went from ninth till 7th, jumping Virginia Wesleyan. North Central moved up a slot. Franklin Marshall moved up a slot. Richard Stockton moved up a slot, despite barely beating New Jersey City. And then Franklin and Marshall promptly lost. They, uh, I'm sorry, Fr- Richard Stockton, I should say. Richard Stockton in 11th promptly lost uh, to Ramapo, just about half hour after the top 25 came out that game went final so Richard Stockton's going to take a hit there we'll see how big a hit they take Albertus Magnus moved up a spot WPI who lost to MIT probably shouldn't have been that big a surprise at least it wasn't in my mind they fell from 7th to 13th so some people took it out on the engineers Worcester stayed the same Babson stayed the same so did Randolph Macon Ohio Wesleyan Stevens Point moved up a spot. St. Norbert moved up a spot. And now welcome to the top 25, Chapman, St. Olaf, Elmhurst, and Chicago. Elmhurst jumping in despite losing, but they played North Central tight. That certainly got them some votes. Scranton stayed at 24th. Amherst fell from 18th to 25th coming off of their not-so-impressive win over Eastern Connecticut and their loss to Williams. They are barely holding on to the top 25. 
Also falling out of the top 25, Eastern Connecticut, who had lost to Amherst. Illinois Wesleyan, even though they had won a few games. Hassan, who lost a game, and Center, who also lost a game. Tells you a little bit about the voting out there, that I think they're still trying to figure out the best teams. I know for my point of view, and I blogged about this, that I did move some teams who won downward. Richard Stockton was one. I took Amherst out of my top 25, just including that loss. I moved Scranton down my poll. Uh, some other teams moved down because I needed to move somebody up. Um, so, and by the way, I am that one voter for St. Thomas, and I'm not going to give you an incredible argument as to why I think St. Thomas is number one team and the 24 other voters who voted for Augustana are not the, uh, are wrong because I don't have one. Uh, St. Thomas had been two on my ballot behind Wash U. I didn't necessarily say that St. Thomas should then move into number one as a result of being number two and the team ahead of them um, losing. But when I thought about it, I decided, you know what? St. Thomas's one loss is to a pretty decent Bethel squad. Um, I can't sit here and say, forget it. Uh, I'm going to give it to them. And I talked with uh, a few people in the top 25 poll, and I even talked to Pat Coleman, who had seen St. Thomas, and he said, hey, you know what? St. Thomas doesn't look like a number one team. There was a pause between the both of us, and we both agreed. But who does look like a number one team on the men's side right now? Nothing against Augustana. They've already proven that having lost this year. Whitewater has lost twice, one to a non-Division three. St. Thomas has lost. I mean, let's go down the top 25. Dickinson's lost. Emory's lost. Wash U has now lost. Marietta has not lost, and they're moving up. Virginia Wesleyan's lost twice. North Central's lost once. Franklin and Marshall has not lost and has skyrocketed in the top 25. Um, Stockton has, has now lost twice. Albertus Magnus has lost. WPI twice. Worcester twice. Babson once. And this is just the top 25 I'm looking at. If they've lost since, I've mis misplaced it. Stevens Points lost three times. Chicago three times. Amherst three times. Illinois Wesleyan was in the top 25 with four losses. It's an interesting top 25 in, in, in landscape of men's basketball this year. And there's just nothing to avoid that. And so who really looks like the number one team in the country? I don't have an answer for you. I gave it to St. Thomas this time. They have a loss. Are we going to go by only the undefeateds? Well, in that case, Marietta should be our number one choice. But they're not. So I think it's it's very interesting. For all I know, St. Thomas is going to lose in the next week or two. They got some tough games on their docket, as it were, coming up. I'm, I'm not, I don't doubt that they could lose. By the time this show, actually they'll play Hamlin next, and then it's Bethel next week, and St. Olaf after that. And then St. Excuse me, St. John's. They've had trouble technically with all four of those teams. So I could be looking for a new number one team next week for all I know or the following week. So it is fascinating on the men's side. And we talk about the season of questions. Uh, this is an example of that. And I've said it's a season of questions that we're not going to get answers to. And we're going to have a very interesting top 25 coming up. Uh, I should say NCAA tournament coming up in March. Because I don't think anybody's going to – we're going to talk about a lot of tough matchups. And I'm going to tell you I'm not going to look at a bracket of death because I think it's a tournament of death. It is going to be a survival to get to Salem this year. It's just plain and simple. On the women's side of things, the only thing that jumped out at me was that the FDU Florham lost a vote. Uh, their number one vote went to Amherst, who picked up now two first-place votes. 
I don't know if that means much. Maybe a voter changed their mind on something, didn't like something like I didn't like something. It's only one vote. Didn't change the outcome. It's still FDU Florham in one, Thomas Moore two, Amherst three. Then WashU, Montclair State, St. Thomas, Scranton, NYU, Tufts, George Fox, a top 10, didn't move. The only movement was from Oshkosh, who lost and fell from 11th to 17th. Uh, otherwise, it is status quo on the women's side. Williams fell from 15th to 18th with their loss to Amherst. Transylvania stayed at 19. Salisbury moved up a slot. So did John Carroll. Maryville moved up a slot, even though they didn't play due to the flu. Uh, Puget Sound moved up to North Central State at 24. Luther entered the top 25 and Rhodes with a loss to Barry jumped out of the top 25. The list of teams on the women's side getting votes is far smaller than the side on the men. But there are some teams on the men's side receiving votes to keep an eye on. Uh, is Illinois Wesleyan right at the ship? Not sure. Eastern Connecticut, we'll, we'll see. Harden Simmons is lurking. I think Husson's better. Bates is certainly good. Claremont Mud Scripps. Um, probably would have had more votes if they hadn't lost to Chapman. Hamden, Sydney, Williams, Rhode Island College, Center, Rowan, Whitworth, Trinity, MIT, William Patterson, Lynchburg, Dubuque, DePaul, Johns Hopkins, Cal Lutheran, and Case Western Reserve. They all have reasons to be voted for, and for the most part, I don't have a problem with any of them getting votes at some point in time. And there's still teams. I had easily 40 teams I was looking at in the top 25 Whittled that down to about 37. No, that's not right. I whittled it further down than that. Maybe 32 that I took a serious stab at. Uh, and I still had a couple I couldn't get into my top 25 after I made some drastic changes. You can read my blog on Twitter. I tweeted it earlier this week, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, you can find my, my, um, my top 25 blog there. Try and put that on Facebook. Forgotten to do that in the past. We'll do a better job of that. You can also find it on the Top 25 board on the message boards on the men's side of things. Um, I put it in there for people to check out. Let's talk about who we're going to have on the show tonight. Um, we'll have aforementioned Chapman, number 20 team in the country. Coach Mike Bukowski joins us on the show to talk about his team and his Panthers. We'll head to New Pauls to talk to Mike Ryan, uh, Raniak about his squad, by their standards, having a terrific season and certainly playing well in a very interesting SUNYAC this year. Women's basketball, we'll talk to the number two team in the country, Thomas Moore. Coach Hands joins us to talk about his squad. Sydney Moss recovering from her ACL injury at the end of last season, how that's impacted the team and how the team is playing now, considering how much they also lost from last year. We also talk on the women's side to McDaniel women's basketball coach Becky Martin, 34th season, closing in on win number 500. We'll talk to her about that. And then we have our School of the Week at debuts this week. It is Bard men's basketball. We talked to Adam Turner uh, with his squad. They are certainly playing good basketball by their standards as well. We'll talk to him about why 7-6 and six is so important to the Raptors squad. So that's all coming up here on Hoopsville on a on a pre-recorded show, but we certainly hope you will enjoy it. At the end of the show, we'll talk about what's going on at the NCAA convention, how you can keep tabs on everything, and why there's some important votes taking place this year. That'll come up at the end of the show. 
Don't forget, we're on the air Sundays and Thursdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time, for the most part. We will uh, be talking tonight on Thursdays, primarily Mid-Atlantic East, Great Lakes, and West. And then on on Sundays, we primarily talk South, New England, Atlantic, and Central. Sometimes put a South region coach into our shows uh, on Thursdays just because we can't get them in on Sundays. Uh, we also have our coaches corner on Sunday. Already have one in mind for this Sunday. We'll see if we can line him up when we're at the NCA convention to chat with him. But that's coming up. We'll find out later, as it were. Um, I also want to point out, we had kind of talked about this a little bit. We have started our fundraising campaign a little bit under the radar, as it were. Last year was a big deal to us. It is still a big deal to us. Just trying not to make as grandiose a deal about it in the grand scheme of things. It is up and running. You'll see it on our, our d3hoopsville.com website. Um and you'll probably see it in some tweets and stuff down the road as well. If you feel so inclined, please check it out. Follow the links. Make a donation if you're so interested. We'll make a little bit more of a deal as we go along in the campaign. It runs to the end of the basketball regular season, March 1. Um, even if we go past our goal, or I should say, even if we hit our goal, we can certainly go past it. We certainly would appreciate any of the support you can give us. I can tell you, for example, in putting this show together for this week, uh, we had to have a huge expense that we were not expecting to pay um, due to changes in some technology and programs and whatnot. Um, and, and those kinds of things are what kind of crop up on a program like ours that doesn't necessarily have sponsorship and have a bank of money. Um, we had it last year as well with studio renovations that were unexpected, etc. So um, any help is appreciated. We will try and uh, um, and spend the money as wisely as we can uh, on future projects. We'll also maybe putting out a wish list to give you an idea of some of the pro items that we're looking to get to improve the show as well. We certainly want to travel, and I would argue that most of our expenses are in travel alone. So there's that, and we'll you know again it's through Indiegogo as we've done in the past, and we certainly hope you'll take a. A moment to at least look at it and consider it. We certainly appreciate it as well. Also, we'll be doing a 12-hour show right now. We're looking at doing it in two weeks' time on the 29th. Details still to be figured out, so no promises yet. Um, i got to work out a couple uh, dots and I's and cross some T's and then dot the I's or dot the T's and cross the, t the I's as well. Um, but we'll let you know more about that. Again, on Hoopsville, Twitter account, at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us if you have questions about any of what we're talking about, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. And, of course, you can go to Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And on that note, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll jump out to the West Coast and talk to Chapman's men's basketball coach, Mike Bukowski, about his 13-0 Panther squad and the Skyak and what he thinks of the conference and the landscape of Division Three, and what he, how he, what he thinks about his own team. Can they get back to the NCAA tournament this year? You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville when we come back. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. 
being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I uh, hope you're enjoying this special pre-recorded show, uh, obviously, as we discussed at the top of the show, on the road at the NCAA convention, making it a little difficult to actually do the show live. So we appreciate you taking the time to at least enjoy this format, which is essentially the same thing. Every interview is live. We certainly aren't editing the interviews necessarily. So it's the same feel, just not with the true live sense. Um, but we appreciate you taking the time to enjoy it. Lots to talk about on the show, and, and this is that time of year where we're still kind of figuring out the questions, as it were. Who is that good, and, and who are the teams that we're paying attention to who have now stepped up to the plate, as it were, or have finally emerged from the, the fog of everybody starting the season as we're into the second half of the year? And one team that's certainly been, at least on my radar, uh, probably since the preseason, really, and just trying to get a gauge on what they were up to is uh, – was Chapman on the men's basketball side. And so they get a big win over Claremont Mud Scripps to stay undefeated at the time that we're talking to them. And so we couldn't resist the urge to jump out to the West region and talk to Coach Mike Bukowski. And he now joins us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me. It's nice of you to think of us and take the time to uh, to come out West. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I could actually fly out west as much as i love uh snow i don't enjoy ice and so right now <laughs> southern cal would be a nice area to visit um but let's do it virtually instead uh your team off to a terrific start and of course as i mentioned we're really halfway through the season at this point in time and turning the corner 13 and 0 4 and 0 in conference action uh you have a mixed bag of of non-conference play we'll talk about that in a minute but how important mm -hmm. has it been to get off to this good start well, it's better than the alternative, of course, <laughs> and going the other way. But, uh, hey, winning solves a lot of problems, as, as coaches know, and uh, uh, in regards to everything that goes on with your team throughout the season. And, and luck plays a very big part of winning. And I don't think people talk about luck as much. I mean, I, I watch the uh, – you know, NBA games on television, the playoffs, and the you know professional football, and you know a team that uh, gets lucky, re re recovers a fumble, or doesn't have a turnover. You know, there's a big play. So we've been lucky in regards to uh, being able to win some close games against some good opponents that might have gotten the ball bounced a certain way, or and we've been lucky that we haven't had any injuries to our top players that have kept them out for any length of time. So I think all those things play into it, and. You know, Dave, people don't know much about West Coast NC Toy Division Three basketball, but, uh, you know, it's, it's I don't know if it's any harder than anywhere else, but 
there really isn't a um, stalwart team out here that's good every year. So teams have to more or less build their programs over a two- or three-year period of time. Uh, and that's what we've done. You know, we're like any other team out here, division in our, in our league. Uh, you get a young group of players, and you hope they mature for a couple of years, and it pays dividends starting their junior, which it did last year for us. We start five seniors, uh, and the two players that come off the bench right away, one's a senior, one's a junior. So we're, the dividends are starting to pay for our program, having the same group of guys together for a long period of time. And then the luck part, you know, like I just said, the luck uh, has put us has put us at a, at, a, at a good position right now this time of the season. You bring up the seniors, and let's start there. Um, you look mm-hmm. at the starting or, or the stats for this team, and it's led all by seniors. This is certainly mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a very senior-heavy team. Your first six scores are all seniors, um, going as high as nearly 19 points a game from Colin Zavarsnik. Uh, yeah, Zavarsnik. Yeah, uh, Zavarsnik. Um, Hammers Hamask. I can't speak today, Coach. Yeah, I apologize. Taylor Hama, yeah, Taylor Hamasaki. Uh, Thank you. You, you yeah, have the all-name list here going, that's for sure. Uh, 15.5 <laughs> points a game. John Joyce. I like John Joyce, uh, only because it's easy to say. 9.5 points yeah. a game from the center. Yeah. Justin Young, a senior, 8.5 points a game. Garrett James, a senior, 6 points a game. Jordan Young, a senior, 6 points a game. If if the if you were to look up senior led basketball team, mm-hmm. you guys might be the definition right now with that mm-hmm. kind of uh, uh, that kind of stat sheet. You're right, and, this, and, and and these seniors have been through a lot. As freshmen, they didn't play very much, and um, we were then at that period of time senior laden. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, we've been we've been into in, the NCAA three out of the last five years, and so you're talking about this freshman class. They were on the bench the year after we went back-to-back NC2A playoffs. So this group has seen a lot. As sophomores, we were an average team, if you mm-hmm. if you call average by your record. I think we might have been 13 and 12. Yep. So they've seen both ends of it. Uh, and the thing about all programs is that your, your seniors understand your culture, you know, what they expect. They understand how to travel, uh, different locations. Uh, and it's kind of funny. A freshman is, is is so inexperienced; they're still trying to probably get a date. You know, when our seniors, <laughs> their seniors' hearts have been broken already. So there's a lot of maturity between the two, <laughs> and sure. that's where it paid dividend. But you know, seniors are always good to have. You know that, mm-hmm. uh, based on what I just said. But uh, the other side of the coin of seniors is sometimes they don't listen to you. <laughs> you know, sometimes they've heard you so much over their previous three and a half, their fourth year, that they kind of tune you out somewhat, and they're. They're very similar to how we were growing up, and we didn't listen to our mom and dad as we got to be 18-year-old kids, thinking we, you know, uh, and they tune them out. So there's the other side of the coin with your seniors. They're good. They're experienced. They know how to travel. You count on them. They know the culture, but sometimes they tune you out, and you really have to be aware of that, maybe shake their tree a little to get their attention. But I'm really happy with our seniors. I really am, and... Uh, you know, like all Division three programs, we're no, no, we're no different. All the Division three programs, they have good players. Mm-hmm. They have good kids. Their parents have raised them right. You know, it's a really true definition of the student-athlete because it's, that's, that's what it's about. Sure. You know, on scholarship, and they're all going to graduate. Um, you know, I don't think any Division three programs, I, they're, I don't have study table. They, the kids have that initiative. Uh, they fit in with the student body. 
But our seniors are just like any other program across America. Uh, they're no different. They just they look different. That's all. Well, it's interesting is those all, you know, the ones we mentioned all in the leading of the score sheet are the ones on your team. There isn't a senior who doesn't get any playing time, which some basketball teams have, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, is the, the, I hate to say the term, but the Rudy of the team, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have that. Every single senior on this squad is contributing. Every single senior on this squad is getting at least 12 minutes of basketball, most of them 30. Um, mm-hmm. How much is that? You know, how much do you have to kind of get the underclassmen to understand their role as a result that they see all these seniors playing and have to let them understand you're going to get your chance too. We need yeah, you yeah. at occasions. Yeah. Well, every every program at every level recruit differently based on what their needs are. Um, our, our, our If you look at our kind of, if you say, the business model, mm-hmm. uh, we're top-heavy in seniors and we're also top-heavy in freshmen. We don't have juniors and sophomores in any great numbers maybe one junior that plays we don't have any sophomores that play so if if if, if, the, if it was a perfect world then our freshmen next year will come in and they will they become the class we try to get maturity out of and stay with us all the way through and maybe there'll be more growing pains as sophomores and as they become juniors now we might be able to have a good team again so that's what we've tried to do over the last decade or so since i've been here is is try to not bring in, you know, four freshmen, then, then then next year bring in four more freshmen and four more freshmen if we have a balance in classes. We've kind of gone that route for us, and it's been pretty successful for us. So we're a little bit more patient. Mm-hmm. They see it. Um, you know, if you if you had, you know, eight juniors and, and five sophomores and with our seniors, they might, there might not be as much patience with it. And that also creates some, some headaches if you have – numbers in your junior senior class so right now i think it's working out well for us like the senior class they were freshmen four years ago and they saw a bunch of seniors so we've been lucky in that regard um when we look at this team and again you talk about the ebbs and the flows um the last year you were an independent 25 and 4 you joined the skyac in 2011 yeah. of course didn't play in skyac games technically i mean you did but not as a yeah. record 19 yeah, right. and 6 then you hit that that spot in the 12-13 season when you were 13 and 12. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you're just trying to do it to be some symbi- symbiotic with the year. Uh, uh-huh. And then 18 and 10. Now you're 13 and 0. You're uh-huh. on pretty much guaranteed a 22nd uh, winning season uh, as a head coach. Straight winning season, I should point right, out. Right, but right. how different has it been to have been that independent who certainly knew the Skyac well? You played those teams yeah, yeah. to now be fully immersed in the Skyac in your fourth season per se in this conference. Yeah, for people who are listening, I don't know if they know what the Skyac is, but it's the Southern California Intercollegiate Athletic Conference that entails a group of of teams, probably a little bit north of Los Angeles. East of L.A. in the Redlands, maybe uh, a good hour and a half east of L.A. South, we're probably the, the, the most centrally southern school, Chapman. Um, so it, it's a very good league. We were, we, we've made application for 20 years to go into that conference. It was just logical. Sure. You know, we, 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 we fit academically the profile, uh, the enrollment. Uh, so for many years, meaning many years, probably uh, 18, 19 years of, of my 22 years here, we were an NC2A Division three program. Well, knowing that conference, we would play those teams in the preseason, try to get as many Division three games in our region as possible. Some years we played those teams twice. 
some some years we couldn't play them based on just scheduling conflicts with both of us. But um, as an independent, what, I think the advantage, if there is an advantage being in a conference, uh, is that you have three seasons within your season. Now we're in a skyac, you know, where uh, you have a preseason. Yeah. You can go 0-9 in your preseason, and you can start all over. You have new energy. And then you have your conference. You're trying to win your conference. And Well, if you get into your 10th game out of 16 and you know you don't have a chance to win the conference, you want to finish with, for us the top four because the top four then make the conference tournament to get that automatic NC to a bid. So three, three seasons within a season, Dave, where as an independent all those years, every game – was magnified because mm-hmm. you had to win every game because you didn't have those three. You had one. So there were some years where, you know, after uh, 10 games being 5-5 five and five and knowing what our region record is, we did not have a, a legitimate shot at getting an at-large bid at Division three. Those are the challenges as a coach. So you come to practice and, and you have to, uh, uh, you know, get them to go and, you know, and appeal to their senses about why wouldn't you play hard? Why, why if you don't have nothing to play for, you do it. So – that has really helped us in a lot of ways, uh, is being able to continue to just, you know, boot what we're going to do. Uh, an independent is really difficult to go that whole season. There were some years we had good records, yeah, uh, went over 20 games, and we did not, did not get a bid either. So um, I like being in the conference. It helps scheduling because as an independent, you had to find 25 basketball games yeah. as an independent very difficult to find games in January and February as an independent because everyone else will be in conference play. So we traveled different places to find as many games as we could. Um, so the good, the upside is scheduling makes it a little bit easier, finding nine games versus 25. Sure. Um, and, of course, we know, the, we, we know the league. We play them a lot. Uh, but playing them as an independent versus playing them in your conference is much more demanding. Well, you know? and, and you still have the challenges of scheduling. You're sitting out on what we call the one of those proverbial islands yeah. in uh-huh. Division Three down there in in the Southern Cal Central Cal region. Um, you know, you look at your schedule. You have West Coast Baptist and St. Catherine, non Division Three mm-hmm. schools. You had to play Bristol back to back games over nine mm-hmm. days with La Sierra. Um, you know, so you've got five of your 25 locked up with non-Division three opponents. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming yeah. it's still challenging for you guys without getting on a plane um, mm-hmm. and taking off and heading somewhere, i.e. Las Vegas for the D3 Hoops Classic, i.e. even mm-hmm. heading to the Mississippi River and further east. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And we're very similar to the Northwest. Whitman, you know, yep. uh, Pacific and Willamette, all you know, we're, they're on an island up there, too, and we are. And we try to play each other. Uh, like this year, we went to the Santa Cruz tournament and played Whitman. Kind of not a halfway point. I think they traveled further than us. Uh, Southern California, you know, within, a, within an hour's drive of our campus, there are so many opportunities to play other schools besides Division Three. There's NAIAs out here. Right. People who don't know about NAIAs, you know, they're really – the NAIs out here in California are really Division One masquerading as NAI schools. For uh, they're really a tough to win. Like you just mentioned, St. Catherine. St. Catherine's last night, I think, played San Jose State, if I'm not mistaken. And um, they, anyway, they played Division One last night. And they lose by 13 points on the road, uh, and we beat St. Catherine's. I know people who don't follow basketball don't understand the relative scores. We play someone, someone else plays someone. It's uh, so the NEIs are very good out here to play because um, they give scholarships. 
And uh, when you when you play a scholarship program versus a non-scholarship pro- program, you got to really play well to compete with them. But when you uh, have but, those five games and you are unable to to get further east for games, which which mm-hmm, is part mm-hmm. of the equation, unfortunately, for a mm-hmm. lot of the schools in the Skyac, is that pretty much give you the 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 idea? And granted, this is maybe a, a better you know, or easier idea than when you were independent. That you just need to go out and win this conference. You guys got that mm-hmm, auto bid mm-hmm, last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. You, it's a matter of yeah, we're going to schedule the best we can, but we cannot gamble on an that large bid at all from this from this area. True, in, in our Skyac conference, and this is only our my third year, Chapman's third year into the conference. Um, the conference has a history of a one team, yeah. one bid out out of the conference. So our our record right now is irrelevant to what the big picture is. Our yeah. conference historically is a one-bid conference. You still need to win your conference tournament to make the at-large bid. Uh, as evidenced last year, you know, we finished third uh, behind Pomona Pitcher that was second and Claremont that was number one. Yeah. And, of course, we won that. We went, And then, of course, Claremont and Pitcher did not get a bid. So we, as we look at, you know, where we have as a program every year, our goal is to finish in the top four. You know, people say, won't you have your goal to win the championship? Yeah, sure, of course, but... You know, we want to make the NCAA tournament, and um, you have to win your conference. We're very similar to a Division One conference out here, the Big West. There's mm-hmm. UC Irvine, Long Beach State, the Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, UC Santa Barbara, those teams. We're very similar to those schools. A very good Division Three program, which we are in our conference, same with the Division Ones out here. That's a one-bid conference also. So are we. Uh, so... You know, it'd be nice if our conference can get better, sure. and that could, that can happen. Sure, it can happen. But right now, as we speak to what we are, we're a one-bit conference, and if we cross our fingers, we might get two one of these days. And there's been two before we got mm-hmm. into the conference, meaning Chapman. But you just have to play the hand that's been dealt to you, and that's where that's our goal. And we're, you know, and I, Dave, I'm a I'm I'm a I'm not a pessimist. I'm a not an optimist. I'm a realist. <laughs> you know, I'm at the point in my life. I've been coaching a long time. I'm I'm realistic on things and. Realistically, um, if you win, you know we're not going to win the rest of our games. You know, being undefeated right now is nice, um, but again, we got to be ready to play those four games after making the top four in our conference. And that's not a gimme either. Our conference is well balanced. Your teams like like Claremont yeah. is dynamite. They've got all the parts to make an NC two A turn. They're a turning team. You have you have uh, Cal Lutheran. Uh, they have all the parts. You know, we beat Pitzer last night by two points. If life was fair, they should have won. Uh, two of their top starters didn't play last night, which shows you how good they can be without their top starters. So it's not like, you know, it's nice of you to talk to us because our record looks pretty good right now. But I don't, I, don't, I still don't think there's a, a team in our conference right now is hands down will win it. And how many wins do you, you know, how many losses can you take to, to win yeah. a championship? Or how many losses do you need to get in the top four? That might be four or five losses. So I'm a realist in that regard. I'm not, I'm not an optimist. I'm surely not a pessimist. I was going to say, I mean, you look at this this conference, you guys on top at 13-0, and 4-0 in conference play. Cal Lutheran, 10-2, and 4-0. Claremont Mudscripts, who you just beat by a couple points, 10-3, and 3-1. and Whittier's lurking mm-hmm. at 8-5, and 2-2. Mm-hmm. Two and two. Redlands, who's 
certainly carried the mantle in the past. Occidental, who's carried the mantle in the past. Laverne, yeah. who you keep thinking might make a run. They're struggling right now. Caltech is certainly trying to change its ways as well. You mentioned Pomona Pitzer. You, you talk about how this conference might take four losses for the top team. Is this is this one of those years where there's a lot of good teams, and unfortunately this would be a great year for the Sky Act to get two teams, the NCAA tournament, and it just might not happen? Well, it could. You know, it, it could if everything, the dominoes uh, fall in place, because you have Claremont that has a kid named Gaffney, who's the MVP last year, and last night we put, played Pomona Pitzer, and there's a, a kid who could have been co-MVP. The rules don't allow two MVPs within our conference, only one and that's McAndrews. Um, the conference does have good players, uh, probably a little bit better than, say, previous years, as you look at just how the timing of it is. And if life was fair, and, you know, <laughs> life's not always fair. Like I said, if life was fair, we should, you know, Pomona should have won last night instead of us winning by two. But if life was fair, yeah, maybe this should be a two-team conference this year, you know, if, if – but if it doesn't, and it holds true to what I said historically we've been, you know, we just hope that we can get that top four and win it, those two games. But we do have a good conference. And we're no, like I said, we're, we're no different than other coaches across the, uh, you know, there's good coaching everywhere, and, and that doesn't exempt, I mean, this conference has good coaches. They, know, they can prepare. Uh, they coach the heck out of their teams. Teams are, are ready to play. And if people out there listening right now have, you know, they look at Division One and, the teams on TV, and you know, this weekend you have the you know the big games are coming up, of course. But um, you, you know, Division Three basketball is pretty good, uh-huh. and, and people don't know how good it really is. And across America, you know, Division Three, you don't have the kids that were the fifth best player on their high school team. We always get the first best player. I can remember when Dean Smith retired, gee, 20 years ago, and I was listening to his. Um, mm. Uh, conference, you know, news conference at the very end, and one of the reporters asked him, "Hey, Dean, uh, now you've you know you've been at North Carolina these years, and what you retired? What do you want to do?" And he kind of said, "You know, I still like coaching. I like to maybe if uh, maybe go get me a Division three job where I don't have to recruit. I just take the players who show up." And I'm mm-hmm. listening to that and say, "Wait a second, Dean! Ho, 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 ho! You know, even Dean Smith doesn't understand. You have to recruit. You ha- have to actively get after it." to be able to compete uh, in your conference, of course, nationally. So I think the people listening out here to us talk, Dave, is uh, I think that they'd appreciate small college basketball on, on how they compete. And the kids care just as much as the guys on TV. You know, the March Madness Division One, yeah. our level, they care just as much. Coaches prepare just as hard. You get the butterflies and, and, and you have uh, strategies just like you do, except it's, it's not nationally known. And, I, yeah. and I, another thing, too, uh, is to toot our horn about Division Three. If ESPN, uh, you know, did a thing on a trout, sometimes ESPN will follow Gonzaga around. Let's follow Gonzaga for a week on the road trip. Let's take the camera on the bus and where they eat. That would be a great thing to follow Division Three programs somewhere, mm-hmm. see how they travel. See the little gyms that you go to, and yeah. how how tough it is to play, and they're and they're traveling. How hard is it to get to those locations? And um, that would be a really nice series to see. Uh, but would they ever do it? No, because it's not Duke, it's not North Carolina, it's not UCLA, it's not Texas. You know, it's not Kansas. But those kids, I meaning our kids at Division Three, they care as much as those programs do, and it's, it's a really nice level. And um, 
I think if people had some time to go see it, they'd appreciate it too and feel feel the same way I do about it. Well, you said it certainly just as, as good as anybody else could say it, and ESPN wouldn't want it either because it doesn't involve an airplane, uh, yeah. as most, yeah. most people yeah. have to certainly drive um, yeah. to their games. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on the show. Again, congratulations on the 13-0 and start. We'll certainly enjoy mm-hmm. watching how well the Panthers do the rest of the season, and especially as you get into Skyac play with your upcoming games. Uh, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are tuning in? Well, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to give me a call and and, uh, and think about us out here in the West Coast. It's, um, we are on an island, and uh, it's a pretty good island, though. Southern California is a good place to live. It's a great place to visit as well. And, uh, hey, if anyone, your listeners, ever in Southern California and uh, – they find themselves being bored, which is really hard to do. A lot of good things in Southern California. Come out and see Chapman play, uh, and uh, give us a call. We'd love to leave you leave you tickets, as many tickets as you want, and uh, get a chance to see really good small college basketball. So, mm-hmm. Dave, appreciate you again thinking of us, and hey, the best to you as as you head off to that NC2A convention. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it, and uh, take care of yourself. Thank you, Mike Bukowski, joining us here on Hoopsville, and we appreciate him taking the time to do that. Uh, from Southern California. Um, Panthers up ahead. Got Caltech on the road, then Laverne on the road before returning home with Redlands, sandwiched in the middle of another road trip on the other side, Calhoun, Pomona, Pitzer, and Claremont Mud Scripps. So five of their next six games on the road before they'll finish with five of their fi- five of their final six games at home. Thanks again to Coach Bukowski. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump back to the East Coast and talk to New Paul State or SUNY New Paltz in men's basketball. They're certainly having a good season by their standards as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, uh, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. If you have questions for us or our guests, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville when we come back. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. And welcome back to Hoopsville on a special Thursday show. Of course, as we have indicated, 
completely recorded as I am at the NCA convention. A little hard to do a show uh, while out of town at an event and not wanting to be holed up in your hotel room. Uh, needless to say, we're on the air. And, of course, on Thursdays we talk to East Mid-Atlantic. Um, we also talk uh, Great Lakes and West regions primarily. And so we'll jump up into the East region in this next uh, story and next guest um, the story of New Paul State, for example, a uh, team is six and six overall, four and one. Um, of course, a big game coming up against Oneonta State. Um, of course, that game will have taken place by the time this interview takes place. So forgive our tardiness if the records have changed. But the team has won four in a row, uh, looking to uh, break through, as it were. And so we decided we'd bring him in via Skype. Mike Raniak from New Paul is the head coach. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Of course, cool to have you on Skype as well. Um, you, I mean, let's be honest. This is a team that, you know, 6-19 and 19 last year. You've already met that win total as we as we speak, 11-15 and 15 a couple years ago, 9-17. and 17. This is a team that has always struggled to even get to 500. So to be at 500 at this point when we're talking at 6-6 six and six, and to have won four in a row, including some big games in conference play, Cortland State, Geneseo State, Brockport State, no particular order. You guys are having a good mark of the season halfway through. Yeah. Um, you know, I think coming from Amherst, uh, when I inherited uh, the program at New Pulse, I knew it would take a, a little bit to get the ball rolling. Um, we had some, over the past years, kind of some unfortunately uh, timely injuries and and things of that nature. And now we're finally got the whole band together. And uh, my first recruiting class are now juniors and they've been playing since they've been freshmen. So it's kind of nice to have those classes at, with experience and, and to overall have the depth that you need to compete in the SUNYAC because every, every night is a battle. I mean, last year we sent three teams to the NCAA tournament. So it's uh, night in, night out is a war for sure. Tough start to the season, let's be honest. Six yeah. uh, losses of the first eight games, including four in a row to start with Hamilton, Vassar, Utica, uh, and Gordon. Of course, uh, a few of those games on the road, as was Vassar, as was Utica, played in Rochester, Gordon in Rochester. You got back with a win against Mount St. Mary. Uh, Plattsburgh then tripped you up. Potsdam State, you get a win. Then Roanoke trips you up. Uh, in a game that you traveled all the way down to Salem, Virginia, um, and, of course, played Eastern down there, and they tripped you up again. How hard is it to get a team kind of refocused after a start like that, um, and then you get uh, a bit of a break, for example, between Potsdam and Roanoke, you had a month off. How do you get these guys kind of refocused on the task at hand? Well, uh, we did beat Eastern, so that's... Correct. That's, uh, we, we were one and one down in Roanoke. Uh, in the beginning, you know... At, Philosophically, as a coach, I want to play some really solid out-of-conference opponents. Um, you know, in the beginning, we were without arguably my best player, Rosa, for those first couple games. Um, so we were kind of learning to find our identity. Um, and really, we were going up against seasoned programs um, like Gordon, who's been perennially in the NCAA and on the road at the Rochester tournament and Roanoke at Roanoke. Uh, I wanted to give my guys... Uh, you know, to to sound lack of a, a cliche, I guess, uh, you know, is in order to be the best, you got to play the best. And mm -hmm. these are programs that I respect. 
and I wanted my guys to see what what it would take to win games. And I think largely those you know missteps that we had in early on in the year have greatly helped us in this uh, Suniac kind of stretch that that we've been fortunate enough to uh, come out with those wins for sure. You also have a pretty pretty young team. You only have two seniors on this squad. Uh, you have a handful of juniors and the numbers of sophomores and freshmen. Yeah. Obviously, you're in your fourth year. You're really starting to get your recruiting, um, lack of a better description, but kind of track traction going. Yeah. Um, certainly, these are your students now, as it were. How much of an impact has that made? I, I think, you know, when, whenever you start at a new program, uh, you want to get kids that that kind of fit your personality and kind of what you look for and kind of I've taken some of the the players that you know I really like that at at Amherst those qualities that I like you know the versatility the length and and kind of now I've recruited it here at New Pulse uh, with those you know because we are a high academic public institution um, I have high IQ players with length and versatility because that's just where my uh, my coaching philosophies lie and where I think I'm best um, to get to get those wins is kind of that's my style. Um, so I think definitely it's helped the fact that now we're I have three classes that are in the program that that I think are are versatile. They're they have depth. Um, you know, we, for the first time, you know, we have height, which is nice. Um, and so I think the more and more that happens, um, the easier it is to get that ball rolling for sure. But recruiting, you know, it's gotta be a consistent effort year in and year out at this level. Well, certainly the, the truth, when you look at your, your team though, you've got a lot of weapons, at least on the stat sheet. Uh, you've got Rosa, who talked about not playing the whole season, but had a few in, you know, missed games. But he's averaging 16.5 points a game, four rebounds a game. Um, it's handing out nearly three assists a game. So is Taylor Suara. Uh, if I stated his name wrong, I apologize. Three assists a game, 14.2 points a game, and 10 rebounds a game practically. Uh, Kevin Roach, 10 points a game. Keegan Donovan, 10 points a game. Um, you got more guys at nine points, six points, etc., you have maybe more weapons than I remember this squad having in the past. Yeah, you know, and and my best teams when I was a part of those Amherst squads under under Dave Hickson, we had five guys average double digits around that. And my goal has always been to establish that here at New Pulse. I, in the years past, um, I had the leading scorer in the league a couple years with Maddie Devine and and. To be honest, we just didn't have the pieces around him to be uh, a winning basketball team. Uh, this year, you know, I can honestly say we have multiple weapons. We have around five guys, like you stated, averaging double digits, um, you know, with a slew of guys ready to step into roles. Um, when we played Geneseo this weekend, and I think we had five guys in double digits and two players that didn't even score had had big games the night prior. Uh, one in particular, Andrew Seniak, hit the game winner against Brockport. Um, so it's nice to have those weapons um, just as long as they continue to buy into that team philosophy, which uh, I think my guys have. 
I should point out that Keegan Donovan has played in one game. It was against Geneseo. He got 10 points in 17 minutes. So I didn't catch that one as I was reading through the stat sheet, but still nice contribution for a guy in that first game. And, it, and I hear a lot from coaches, especially this time of year. This is that time where you already know who your good guys are. This is when those role players start to play a significant role, for lack of a better uh, word, and, and step up for you. And you start finding the little niches that they can fit into. Seems like you're getting that from guys like Ke- from Donovan and others. Yeah, and, and Keegan started uh, at point guard for, for me last year, and he's coming back into the fold, obviously, one game in. Uh, I think in particular in the SUNYAC, you know, we have, you know, the player Rosa and Soa, and they're really keying in on them. So it's very important that these peripheral pieces like Kevin Roach and – and uh, Andrew Seniak and Alex Perlman and Taylor Mulvey and, and pieces like that really come ready to play game in and game out. I mean, we've had a leading, we've had maybe five leading scores the last six games. You know, Reagan Bogan against, uh, you know, uh, Geneseo had 21 and he comes off the bench. Um, so it's very important that, especially as we get deeper and deeper into this season, um, you know, People know we have Soa, we have Rosa, we have Roach, but they can't stop uh, all of our depth, I I think. When you look at this SUNYAC conference, and I certainly have taken a look at it this year in trying to understand pretty much who's the top team, it has been anything but uh, easy to figure out, to be honest. Um, You know, Cortland State starts off uh, undefeated in the conference. Well, well, now they're 8-3. and Uh, yeah. Having taken a bunch of losses, including to yourselves, Oswego uh, yeah. State's up there at nine and three uh, and four and zero. Oh, nothing against Jason Leon, but I've seen this team start hot before, yeah. uh, and then the conference kind of cools them off. Yeah. Plattsburgh back in the conversation, eight and three, three and one. Yeah. Geneseo seven and four, three and one. Of course, most of these teams I'm mentioning, you've gotten wins over already. Yeah, and this conference also tends to have what you thought you saw last year is not the truth this year. Um, or what you think going in this year is not even close to the truth in reality. Yeah. We're halfway through. How do you see this conference shaping up? I see a lot of parity. Um, last year, I saw it, too, with the top-tier teams in, in Geneseo, uh, Plattsburgh, and Brockport. I thought um, I thought Brockport was, was the best, but I also thought Plattsburgh and Geneseo were, were pretty solid as well. This year, it, it seems like we're, we're going into the, the conference and we're all kind of beating up on each other. You know, there's no clear-cut favorite. Um, I thought maybe going into the year there, there was a, a couple kind of front runners, but um, it has now kind of, like you said, cooled off a little bit. And we're now sort of in that conference play where night in and night out, you know, a win or loss can uh, either put you in the tournament or put you out. It's uh, it's that kind of that separation is so razor thin this year. It's um, it's pretty unique at, as compared to other years. Talking to Mike Raniak here, SUNY New Paul's head coach. Team is six and six overall, four and one in the conference, which puts them on top of the conference, right behind Oswego State. Uh, you do have Oneonta State coming up, and we say that on the interview. By the time this hits the air, you will have played them. Uh, on the road. You also have Fredonia State coming up, though, eight days after that, and Buffalo State after that uh, following day. Rare big break in the middle of January. Was that one you tried to avoid? Uh, you know, it, it uh, just by 
kind of scheduling and, and situations. Like normally we would play the Oneonta game on, on Friday. Um, so at least that cuts out a couple days maybe. Um, but they had a, a scheduling conflict. So we had to play, we're playing it tomorrow. Um, you know, it is, takes a little bit of management. Um, I'm, I'm letting my guys go home um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we'll get back after it on Monday just so that they can get kind of a, a little bit of a break because, you know, we, we were on the road for New Year's and so on and so forth and right before classes to get their minds right and kind of get ready for the second half of, of conference play. And, you know, it's all about kind of managing – you know, bodies, it's managing the mental state, if anything, and just to keep our focus. Uh, so I'm telling them to not even go near a gym on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and kind of kind of relax and then come ready mentally prepared so that we can get ready for Fredonia and, and Buffalo State that week. Uh, I know coaches don't like to look that far ahead, but I do find it interesting starting on January 30th, you have a stretch of five home games, Oswego, Cortland, Oneana. Potsdam, Plattsburgh, those are going to be key games, and they're at your place. How important is it that you get a chance to take on those teams at New Paltz? Oh, it's 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 going to mean the world. I think now what's what's uh, we've been fortunate is we've been playing some road games, you know, while the students haven't been around or in session. So that's that's nice because when we play our home games, our students will be there. Um, our Hawks nest will be in full force, which is great. Um, and, and it will give us that extra push uh, to be successful in that stretch. For sure, looking at it at the beginning of the season, I thought last week would have been, um, you know, probably one of the toughest weeks of the year. Uh, and I also looked at that home game stretch being one of uh, a, a really nice time for us to create separation um, in the conference. You've also won them in interesting ways. You control the game against Cortland. You hit a last-second shot against Brockport. Um, you beat uh, Geneseo by 13. Uh, I would say maybe the uh, cat is out of the bag in some cases, but what's what do you think the thoughts are when it, when it comes to you guys around the conference? I, I think, you know, um, I think maybe in the beginning uh, we took some teams by surprise. Um, hopefully... Um, we'll continue to take teams by surprise, but like you said, the cat's out of the bag. Um, I think it just was a matter of time before we got all the pieces back. I mean, last year we lost Rosa, um, so now he's back, um, and that's kind of what, what contributed a little bit to our poor record last year. Um, you know, we have more seasoned uh, players. My junior class has been pretty much playing since they were a freshman. Um, you know, Roach has been starting since he's been a freshman. So that type of experience you know, is is invaluable at this stage of the game. And I think, you know, it's it's well, the T my my coaches in the league, they know who I am. They, they know um, the our style. I think we switched up a couple of things philosophically, um, like in particular. Now we're a zone team uh, and coming from Amherst. Um, where we play a lot of man-to-man. -man. <laughs> yeah. I pride myself on my man-to-man -man defense. Um, the personality of this year's team is, is a zone team, um, and it just seemed to fit. So I, I think, you know, yeah, the cat's out of the bag, and yeah, they know who I am, but I think also it's the, the pieces have just morphed into better basketball players. I think Dave Hickson's going to disown you. Um, <laughs> 
got it. You got you guys have fun. I mean, the Suniac has fun in general. Um, the games I've caught, you always see the coaches. You know, if they're not riding or an official, they're having a good laugh. I've seen you guys have conversations before games. Nothing beats watching Jason the All talking to a head coach of the opponent three minutes before tip off, uh, and it was a five minute conversation. Um, you take fun to a whole nother level. Uh, you have found a way to sneak in a special tie into the games, one with your daughter on it. I'm sure she's thrilled. I'm sure your wife rolls her eyes just a little bit. But where is the inspiration behind this tie uh, that maybe every coach should go and purchase? I, I got that tie for uh, Christmas. And, uh, and um, you know, I have a 19-month-old daughter, and, and uh, I love her to pieces. So I, I had to find a way. <laughs> to integrate it and what better 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 uh game to integrate it at than than geneseo a team that historically we haven't had much success against um so it was it was weird looking down and seeing my daughter on on my chest but it was it was nice to have her on the sidelines that's for sure i have a good on i have it on good authority you got a technical foul in that game because of the tie <laughs> If it was because of the tie, then I'll then I'll then I'll agree to the technical. But for whatever reason, the referee said it wasn't. Uh, obviously, uh, you know it, it's tough. It, those winters up there hasn't been as tough in some parts of the state as it has been others. You do have road games ahead here. Um, how important is it to have Mother Nature a little bit on your side in some well, cases? It, it, it's huge um, for us in the Suniac Conference. We're on the tip of uh we're we're an hour north of new york city um so we're kind of on the tip of the conference as far as geographically right so we're going out to fredonia and that's going to be a seven hour road trip so we're we're kind of used to being on a bus like yep. a run oak trip 10 hours that was nothing <laughs> so uh going we, got, out, we uh, got to talk about the fact it took you 10 hours but that's beside the point yeah well maybe 11 maybe <laughs> still a little. still slow all right, well then, fourteen. Um, so, Slow. Yeah, we're we're used to it. Um, you know, we we kind of plan ahead. Um, I'm used to going to places in this conference where it seems every time I'm there, it's cloudy. There's flurries <laughs> in the air. I'm used to that. Um, but I, I think for us, as as a team, you, you, we're, because we're so used to it, it makes us uh, mentally. Uh, tough and ready for the unexpected because there has been times like a, against Cortland the other night uh, we showed up 40 minutes prior to game time and for a, a coach that has OCD and likes his things in an or in mm. order, I was going crazy um, but I think you know the bus rides and, and weather you know it is what it is um, my guys are mentally tough to handle the adversity um, but obviously I want to drive out to Fredonia and I want it to be 50 degrees in summer <laughs> Somehow, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, something tells me this year in the Buffalo area, it's anything but 50 degrees and sunny. If, in fact, if you see the sun, um, you you might want to buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> I'm, 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 trust me, I'm waiting to buy that lottery ticket for four years. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Hey, listen, I appreciate you coming on the show. Certainly appreciate you talking uh, about the Hawks uh, and how well you guys are, are doing this season. Obviously, Big test still ahead. Don't want to write anything on the wall as of yet, but it's been fun to watch so far, including the tie. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who are watching? 
Well, I just want to say thanks, Dave, for all that you do for um, D3. It's it's great to have you kind of as uh, our, our flag bearer, and uh, it's uh, awesome to get to talk about myself uh, and our program here that we're building at New Pulse. And in true fashion, I will sign off saying, I love you, Grace, and I love you, Kimmy Rainiac, my wife. Very well done, sir. You get brownie points, I'm sure, if she's figured out how to watch it. So uh, thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Safe travels on, on the roads ahead, obviously, and we'll look forward to watching the Hawks the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Mike Raniak joining us here from New Pauls. Appreciate him taking the time to do so when we come back. Plenty more Hoopsville. Of course, you can interact with us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville or using the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash Hoopsville. You're watching Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things. Not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division three school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division three in athletics, you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus. And to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening is when we've released the show. Of course, as we've mentioned, all pre-recorded so far. We hope you're enjoying it so far as well. Uh, we are at the NCAA convention. Quick note, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you can follow us there on anything that is impertinent to basketball or anything else in Division Three by following us online. Of course, you can ask us questions about uh, guests that we've had on the show or future guests or guest ideas. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, one of the stories that captured Division Three in women's basketball last year was the transfer of Sydney Moss from Division One Florida to Division Three Thomas More and the immediate impact that she had on the team. Unfortunately, the team fell short of certainly everyone's goal of winning a national championship last year, but they're back at it this year with Sydney Moss at the helm as well. Team is 13-0 overall, 6-0 in the PAC, sit number two in the D3Hoops.com top 25 and pretty much been stuck there due to the fact that the defending national champs refuse to lose. But that doesn't mean we don't want to talk about the Thomas More Saints. And so joining us out of the Great Lakes region is their head coach, Jeff Hans, here on Skype. Of course, we should remind everybody we are pre-recording this uh, in case anybody is curious. They do have a game against Geneva that will take place after we talk to them. But, Coach, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having us on. 
Absolutely. You've got to be thrilled with how your team is playing yet again this season. Uh, in the last two years, you're now 44-1 and one, um, and, and certainly tearing it up. But we'll talk about Sydney in a bit, but the team has had to step up in, in some cases and in some ways to, to kind of help Sydney out and get these wins themselves. Yeah, it, um, it's a total team effort. You know, it's a new group from last year. We lost uh, two really good senior guards that uh, meant a lot to the program for one of them five years and the other one four years. And, and um, you know, so we're trying to adjust and uh, continue to work to get better. When you look at how this team has responded, as you pointed out, and, and are 13-0 and at this point in time in the season, and you've played some pretty good teams, certainly NCAA tournament teams like Maryville to start the season. Um, you had a scare with Cabrini we'll talk about in a bit. You've had some other games in there. What was the mentality coming into the year after a tough loss, uh, one you know one game away from the Final Four? What was the mentality heading into the season? Hmm. Jeff, uh, I think... The mentality I... was just to... You still there? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, mentality was just trying to, to build on on last season and and um, you know continued that we had some unfinished business. You know we we felt like that uh, didn't end the way that we wanted to. You know just like a lot of other teams, of course. But uh, you know the injury to to Sydney and and the way we played at Whitman wasn't a great ending. So we wanted to prepare ourselves as best we could with a, a tough non-conference schedule. Uh, started right out of the gates with Maryville and you know the, they're. 10 and one or 11 and one right now, I think. So, uh, that was a good win for us. And we, we had played a couple of NAI schools and, you know, they, they present some problems just because of being on scholarship and the length that they, they have, uh, will hopefully prepare us for the rest of our conference season. And then that NCAA run, if we have that opportunity. Yeah. You point out the, the schedule. I mean, you also played center and LaRoche, uh, Waynesburg, uh, Westminster in Division Three. Of course, you went to San Juan, Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. uh, and Gabrini, who I, I nicknamed on the last show the Nearly Giant Killers, uh, who had taken out Scranton in their previous game, uh, mm -hmm. nearly took you guys out. Uh, is that the kind of game that you, that you almost need in a season like this? You you almost need a wake-up call, as it were? Yeah, I think so. And Cabrini does a very good job. I mean, that that's a really good team. And we were very fortunate to uh, be able to pull that one out. Sydney made a play there at the end uh, to get us ahead by one with about 25 seconds left to go, and and um, you know, and then we we got a stop on the defensive end, and you know that's one of those games right after Christmas down there. It sets it up like an NCAA tournament without the atmosphere because of the the crowd, but uh, I mean neutral site. Um, both of us had to travel, you know, one day of practice at the facility. And uh, so it was really good, and, and I think it helped our, our team because then we bounced back in the next day and, and beat Plattsburgh State um, pretty – we played better against Plattsburgh State, I'll put it that way, and, and, um, and you know, they're going to have a good season as well. So it was two good games down there in, in San Juan for us. Yeah, it, the other thing, interesting enough, that was your only below 10-point victory in, against a Division three opponent this year. You've had two total less than 10 points. You certainly know how to control your opponents in some senses of the word. What's been the secret this year? Certainly you have offense, but is the defense improved or are you still relying on the offensive weapons that you have? Uh, def I, don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like our defense isn't as good, uh, but then it's, you know, we're giving up under 50 points a game. 
so hopefully we can continue that. Uh, I don't know if we can or not because uh, it just seems like teams get a lot of good looks against us. You know, Cabrini took full advantage of that uh, when we played in, in uh, Cumberland's down in, in uh, southern Kentucky, the NAI school that we beat did as well. Um, you know, so our offensive firepower, it's it's younger players trying to figure out how to play offense and do that, do those type of things. And, and um, our defense is probably ahead of our offense right now, and hopefully we can catch up and, and be a, a balanced team. What's interesting is this is a team that is young. You pointed out you lost a, a number of seniors. You only have two seniors on this squad. Anybody who's curious, Sydney Moss still has a whole nother season ahead of her as well. You're led by Sydney at 22 points a game. She's hauling in eight rebounds a game, handing out two, uh, three point and a half assists a game. Uh, Nikki uh, Kyman, uh, Kierman, uh, Kierman, thank you, a freshman. Uh, Abby Owings, a freshman, um, both averaging 10 points a game. Um, you get to the senior in, in Sydney, Wayne Scott, who's seven and a half points a game, but then you're back to juniors again in, in Sam Cady and, and Alexa uh, Santa Maria. You don't have what I would classify as that core group of scoring threats that you're necessarily going to use. You guys have very nicely rebuilt, as it were. Yeah, it's um, our two freshmen have come in, and uh, Abby's our point guard, and she's been our point guard from day one of being here October 15th, and, and she's done a, a really good job of adjusting to what we want to do. And uh, Nikki Kiernan had an injury setback, so her first game was against Cabrini down there in San Juan. Um, she played in our two scrimmages and then got injured in the next practice. So she, she had missed five or six weeks altogether, and she's starting to figure out how – things are done, how we want things done and, and how she can be successful. But so those are two big pieces and both have a very bright future for us in our junior class, um, led by Sydney and then Olivia Huber coming off the bench as a guard. She's an all American soccer player for Tom, for our women's team. And then, um, Alexa and Sam, like you mentioned, are doing a little bit more scoring and, and Olivia does more of the defensive effort. It's hard to talk about this team without talking about Sydney Moss. Um, obviously, uh, it is one of those great moments for a coach when you get a player like her to be able to join your squad, and she seemed to join the team seamlessly last year. Mm -hmm. Of course, the season ended for her when the season ended for the team uh, with a, a, a tough injury uh, in that Elite Eight game. That's a you know torn ACLs are tough to recover from. She was ready to you know cleared to play at the beginning of the season, but from what I'm gathering, she's just starting to get her stride, as it were. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, about 10 months from surgery now. So, you know, the doctor told her it'd be 9 to 12 months before she felt normal. And uh, she's working her way back in shape. It's, you know, that's one of those injuries that, unfortunately, in our game we see all the time. And it, mm. it, it's devastating. You, you hate it for the young ladies. And, um, you know, especially, you know, I'm biased because of, of Sydney being here, especially her because of, of her potential and, and what she can do and what she brings to the table. Uh, but she's starting to get back into form, you know, and and she's not hasn't been pressed, I guess, to uh, score all the time, maybe like she did last year. And so, you know, she's kind of just taking a back seat to some of these freshmen and juniors, and and just playing. She's playing hard, and and she's doing what we ask her to do, trying to get back into shape. Has it been hard with the spotlight, as it were? She comes in, she's the player of the year in Division Three for D3Hoops.com. She certainly is the attention of every single offense. Uh, or defense, I should say, of every team. 
but more than that, she's she's this former SEC player who is certainly doing extremely well in Division Three, and that garners national attention as well. Has it been hard to still adjust, or have you guys adjusted to that spotlight? No, we adjusted. I mean, we've had it's been a year, over a yeah. year, year and a half now. So I mean, she's used to it. Uh, our our team is used to it. You know, it's it's one of those things that uh, uh, we just we 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 accept. You know, it, she she's so humble. She's such a, a good person that um, you know it, it doesn't phase her at all. As we point out, this is a pre-recorded interview. You will take on um, Geneva between the time this uh, is done and the time the interview airs. But ahead of you, uh, coming up is Saint Vincent, who you guys are tied with in conference action. They're twelve and one overall, six and zero as we speak in conference play Washington Jefferson lurking behind you guys is this a is this a two-horse race for this conference is it going to come down to you guys in St. Vincent and thus this game coming up this weekend is pretty important yeah I, I think so uh because I mean we've been able to we've had Waynesburg on the road and we've had uh, Washington Jefferson on the road so they got to come back down here uh but those two teams can always uh make enough shots to challenge anybody but St. Vincent you know, their one loss is to Chicago up at Hoax um, post-exam tournament, I guess what they call it. You know, and then Chicago had a UAA good program. So that's that's their only loss on the season. So it, Saturday's going to be a big day for us. Of course, you'll finish the season with a game at St. Vincent as well. So certainly either team is going to be looking for some kind of payback, whether it's you guys or St. Vincent, depending on the outcome on Saturday. But you know, this is a this is a conference that's got the good teams like yourself and St. Vincent and certainly others. It's also got some of those teams that that are that are, are aren't as good. You beat Teal 101-41, for example. You beat Grove City 86-31. How tough is it to get a team focused when you're gonna you have such a wide range of of games in the sense of the challenge you're gonna face? Whether it's gonna be a team that's gonna be maybe pretty easy to play against versus a team like St. Vincent who might be able to play with you one-on-one. We don't, we don't really talk about that too much. You know, we want to approach every game the same, you know, and, and that's, that's easy for me to say. And it's, but it's tough for our kids to do sometimes, but um, you know, that's, that's what we try to do because once you start trying to get really hyped up for one game and the other one's just an okay, okay uh, atmosphere, you know, or no atmosphere, then, then you let your guard down and something happens, you know, that, um, that, that you don't want as a coach and you don't want as a team. So we try to keep everything even keel and, and keep things rolling. Interestingly enough, this con- this region has certainly become a pretty good region in women's basketball. Hope is ranked 11th. Obviously, you guys are ranked second. Calvin is 14th. And I don't want to forget DePaul at 13th right now in the top 25. John Carroll is sitting at 21. Uh, Maryville, while in the south, is is right near you guys at 22. Um, this has become a rather interesting region to watch. Um, conceivably, you're probably on top of the region when it comes to rankings at this point in time. But how important is it going to be to secure as much home court advantage as you can should you make the NCAA tournament to try and have teams come through you before you'll head to Calvin for the championship weekend? It's very important. I mean, I think we found that out last year when uh, we got, uh, sent out the Whit- uh, Whitman out there for Sweet 16 Elite Eight games, the sectional round. Um, you know, you want to have that chance to play in front of your home crowd as much as possible. And, uh, you know, the regional rankings start coming out here in 
I guess probably about three weeks, four weeks. So, you know, those will be very important to see where everybody's at. And hopefully we've done enough with our non-conference schedule uh, to play enough teams to, to help our, our uh, strength of schedule out. When you look at this region, certainly you run into the coaches when you're recruiting in some senses, um, and you certainly talk to them when, when you're looking at, at scheduling. How much has changed? I know you're only in your fourth season, but it's changed quickly in this region. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Paul's always there, Hope, Calvin. Um, you know, so it's we're just trying to get as many good games. I know, like, next year we're going to go to Calvin. We're going to go to Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, we're going to go up to Denison we, for our Julie Costello Memorial Classic. Ohio Northern's coming down. Center's coming up in Hanover. So, um, you know, the scheduling is – it's always a challenge. And uh, But, you know, we, we just want to go play and, and see what happens. Let me put you on the spot a little bit, and I say a little tongue-in-cheek. A lot of people after the season went, oh, Sydney Moss is transferring. That's it. She's done. She did her one year. Not asking whether that's true or not. I'm, I just want to take a twist on it. If it were to come up in conversation – what would have been your pitch to say, "Hey, stay with us. We got something special here." Uh, well, to be honest with you, Dave, we we did have we had that little talk about it. Um, you know, I just told her she had to go where she's happy. You know, was, she came here for the academics, the small classes. You know, and basketball was for her was really second fiddle to it. I mean, it, it was about getting a degree in four years and not sitting out the Division One level. So, all the reasons that she came here the first time around are were still here over the summer. And, uh, I mean, it, you wouldn't believe the, the number of people in the Northern Kentucky community, Cincinnati area, that thought that same exact thing. They thought it was she was one year, then she was heading heading somewhere else. And, um, you know, even people at the restaurants here were like, she's still back. I'm like, well, yeah, she's still here for us. So, um, you know, she, she's having a good time. She's playing. You know, she's just a young lady. And, and that's what it's all about. And that's what we uh, – that's how we try to treat things here at Thomas More. You talk about uh, the northern, you know, northern Kentucky, I should say, Cincinnati area. Of course, the headlines coming out of there in Division Three women's basketball and all of college basketball, to be completely honest, is Lauren Hill. We've got her jersey over our shoulder. Um, has that been? Have you felt the impact of of that story since you guys are relatively close to that story? Um, has there been an impact, or is it one of those you guys are just watching uh, on the sideline like the rest of us? Uh, a little bit of both, you know. We we went over there to before she played the game, before they played the game, November second against Hiram. Um, our kids, our players wanted to do something, so we took the jersey over. And Lauren was not able to make it there that day because um, she had a busy day the day before, sure. so she wasn't. You know, she's a little tired, was not able to get get up that early, needed some rest. Uh, but you know, just like everybody else, it's you hate to hear it. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just a Sad story, but she's she's been a great motivator to a lot of people around the country, and, and it's you know hats off to Lauren and, and Mount St. Joe and what they've done over there. It's not often that I could say that in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area in women's basketball, especially in the Division Three level, that Sydney Moss would be outshined uh, by anybody for what she does on the floor. But certainly Lauren Hill here, and I'm sure you guys would agree, there's nothing wrong with that in any way, shape, or form. No, oh, there's no doubt. I, I agree 100% with you. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I, listen, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch what you guys do the rest of the season, especially with what looks like a very talented St. Vincent squad that you're going to have to face. And, of course, uh, you don't want to look past a Washington Jefferson, even a Bethany or a Grove City. You never know in conference play. 
Um, but before we let you go, uh, we always do like to get the final word from the coach. So any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who, who may be tuning in? I just want to thank you and Pat, everything you guys do for Division Three basketball, men's and women's. And, and um, you know, we don't take anything that you guys do for granted. We appreciate all your hard work and support. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to seeing how the team performs. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Take care. Jeff Hands joining us from the number two Thomas More Saints. Again, the team uh, will have played Geneva by the time uh, we're talking to you here uh, or you're seeing this interview, but they do have St. Vincent on the docket ahead as well. When we come back, we'll switch gears, but stay with women's basketball. We'll jump out to Mid-Atlantic, talk to a coach who's closing in on win number 500 in her 34th season. We'll talk McDaniel women's basketball here on Hoopsville. If you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use the hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville. We'll be back with more right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division three school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result in my mind is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. And welcome back to Hoops. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. We're obviously pre-recorded tonight as I'm at the NCAA convention, but at the same time, I'm on camera here with a coach, which means we're on site. We're here at McDaniel, and I'm joined by Becky Martin, the 34th season here at McDaniel. And, Coach, talking to you, you hear a basketball game in the background. It's a men's game. You guys coming off a win with Swarthmore. should also point out that by the time this airs, you may have already played your game against Franklin and Marshall as well. You are closing in on win number 500. That's one topic. But the other thing is you guys are now 11-1 and one as we talk, 6-1 in the Centennial. The hot start continues for this Green Terror basketball team. Congratulations on the good start. Thank you very much. That means that, you know the kids are they're responding to everything we say. They're working hard. It's going to be a fun year no matter what happens because they're good kids and they want to continue to improve. So you know, as a coaching staff, we're, we're elated. Um, for myself personally, that means I've only had one sleepless night <laughs> so far. <laughs> wow, just one. That's yeah, pretty good. Yeah. You guys got off to a 9-0 start on the season, which was the best in school history. Certainly took advantage of some home court to do that as well, but you also hit the road and had to win some tough games, especially early on in Centennial play. You're now in this stretch, we talked about it before air, 
where you're in this three-game stretch here of centennial, non-centennial games that you got to keep the team a little bit sharp on because some big tests are coming up ahead. Well, as we go into these teams, you know, these contests, one, after 34 years, you do, <laughs> you learn early on, you never take anyone for granted. Sure. And on any given day, anything can happen. And I don't want to say that we're playing through these two teams, we're not, but we're going to continue to push hard and try to work uh, uh, on some new things and sharpen some things. And, uh, you know, no matter what team is out there on the court, they're always bringing something different that we have to adjust to and be able to execute uh, you know a little better and and that happened tonight even though uh, you know you look at the score it looks like it was an easy game the kids played well but there were still some things that we hadn't seen that we had to make the adjustments on the fly um, with and, and the kids responded of course the big game right before this you beat Haverford who's a 500 team but they just knocked them to five and one in the centennial to keep you in a three-way tie at the top of the conference you then played sophomore as we point out you'll have Franklin and Marshall you then have Bryn Mawr which is not technically a conference game but is a conference opponent before you then hit a tough stretch here you'll get Gettysburg at home or Sinus and then Hopkins so my question is you've got these three that you want to fight through and keep their focus on but then how do you raise their expectations and raise their um, mental preparedness for then three tough games. Well, I can sport a, a talk as a sports psychologist, but the reality <laughs> is it's Gettysburg. They're our rival. It's Hopkins. They're our rival. Um, you know, for us, at that point, it's honestly trying to keep them calm and not, you know, their anxiety level, you know, over the top. They're going to get up for that game. That's not going to be an issue. We're not going to have to worry about them getting up for those opponents. We have to make sure that we clean some things up because we were, you know, when you're playing a team that uh, maybe isn't as strong, you're, you're able to get away with some things that you're not going to be able to get away with uh, successfully against Hopkins, against Gettysburg, and, and even Ursinus. So other than that, uh, I'm not worried about them getting up, you know, for that. Uh, and the first game here uh, against Gettysburg, that's nice that it's a that it's a home. Now, interesting twist, too. You'll have played Franklin and Marshall already your second time. In the middle of that, you'll play Ursinus your second time. You've got wins over them already. Whereas you'll face Gettysburg for the first time. You'll face Johns Hopkins for the first time. Is that also a little bit of a different approach? You've seen some teams and you haven't seen the others? Well, it, it is to a degree because as we go into some of these teams a second time, we're, we're trying to change things up again just mm. a little bit so that, uh, you know, uh, they have to make some adjustments to us. And you're right, when we're seeing uh, Hopkins and Gettysburg for the first time, you know, it, you know, we're not quite sure how we're going to match up and, and how they're going to adjust to our offense and how we have to adjust to their offense defensively. So, you know, we get through it the first time. You know, hopefully our battle plan is ready to go and, and uh, you know, may the best team win that. Yeah, sure. When you look at this conference, you know, we're not that far removed from when this was four or five horse race to the very end. You were getting three, four teams in the NCAA tournament. Then it hit a lull where things kind of subdued a little bit. You really only are getting one team into the conference. You got three teams right now at the top. You got a couple more right behind. This is lining up like potentially Gettysburg, Muhlenberg, Hopkins, McDaniel, even Haverford in the mix. It's going to be a fight to the finish. And the, the parity in our conference, it's scary because on any given night, anything can happen. And, you know, we dealt with that uh, last week with Muhlenberg. Muhlenberg uh, was a tough game on the road. And, 
you know, they beat us fair and square. But we are also, you know, part of getting through a season is also the luck of the draw. We had a couple kids dealing with the flu, so you're not at, at, at yeah. par. So part of it is, you know, are you at 100% when you get on the court so that everything's equal? Um, and, and at this time of the year and with a long season, you know, you have to be able to you have to be able to, you know, get by those hurdles. So we're looking forward to seeing Muhlenberg again down here. Hopefully we have a better showing. But, uh, you know, every time you step on the court with our conference foes, and people say, well, who's your most, you know, in terms of your rival, who's your biggest rival? I say, well, it's Hopkins, Gettysburg, Dickinson, F&M, yeah. first one. It's everybody. Know, everybody, because, you know, with five teams getting in the conference uh, playoffs and the parity the way it is, You've got to play to the finish, or you might not be one of those teams, even though you've beaten the top teams. And interesting, and of course, Gettysburg right down the road, technically Hopkins right down the road. The other ones might not be down the road, but they're within an easy drive, so it certainly makes those relationships. You see the coaches more than just on the court. You're seeing them in the recruiting battles as well. Oh, most definitely. We we love to tie to one another. It's like, <laughs> oh, hi, what are you doing? Oh, it's like, oh, Busterman's Holiday. Oh, oh, you know, and, and I won't oh, say Oh, you're here, here. Like, darn oh. it. <laughs> oh, you actually got off the golf course to come recruit. Isn't that nice? You know, nice to see you. Nice. So, yeah, I Playful. think we have a, a good... Uh, you know, relationship uh, within our conference. Let's talk about your team a little bit. You're deeper than maybe people realize. And in my opinion, it may be based on the fact you had a major injury to a major player that took uh, Winger out for a while. Winger's only averaging 3.4 points a game, and, but five rebounds a game. But it's allowed some other players, like Alyssa March, to step up to the table a little bit. You're being led by, um, forgive me as I quickly look at the name, Nichols. Lindsay Nichols. Uh, uh, Lindsay Nichols at nearly 20 points a game. Perez is having a great, great year at 12 and a half. Well, you know, we knew coming into the season from a guard perspective, we had two of the top three-point shooters in the, in the conference. So that gives you, you know, that really stretches the defense out. Um, so that's helped us this year and, and Lindsay's coming on strong as a junior. We knew she was going to be you know a talent and, and she's finally matured and you know she's strong. She can shoot the three, take it hard to the, the hoop and you know it, it's it's fun to watch her mature. Emma unfortunately as a senior you know ended up with uh, one of those ankle sprains that she's out five weeks and it was gut check time yeah. you know for a junior who had seen some playing time but was still trying to develop and, and make the transition to you know college ball and she was ready. She worked hard over the summer. She came in and she did what we asked of her and she's you know she's ready to go. One of the things I said that I'm excited about is, you know, I don't have two posts that are ready to start. I have three posts that can start. And another post who was injured all last year that's coming on and doing some neat things. So as a coach, when you have that versatility and that depth, it makes things so much easier. Um, because we all know some nights the balls fall for you when you shoot and sometimes they don't. And if they're not shooting for you, somebody else has to step up. And, and that's not always the case. And I think we have that luxury to a degree this year. And again, you talk about that three-headed option, really. I mean, Carly Zepp, your sophomore at 5'10", who stepped up in, in scoring double figures. 5'10", if she's on her tippy toes. Well, but it's listed at 5'10", so we'll have some fun with it. <laughs> I agree with you. We have, we have that fun with the, with the stats. Well, she, she can jump out of the gym, and, yeah, that's, and what, that's the, the difference. But then you get an Emma Winger, and you got Alyssa March, both listed, listed at six foot. 
you definitely have that was something that you've had in winger certainly but as you point out that's a depth that you haven't had in a few right. years and that's has that changed the dynamic of what you guys can do on offense most definitely because you're no longer looking for somebody to go in and spell somebody you're looking for somebody that can go in and actually maybe raise the bar or bring some you know something new to uh, you know to the level of play and I don't want to take anything away also from your point guard and Brittany Davis certainly has settled things down at the point. You seem to, and if memory serves from last year, correct me if I'm wrong, you seem to have a bit of a platoon in that position. Even Perez had to play a lot of point guard. This year, Davis is doing it, and then you got Jasmine Smith, who's taking over for her when necessary. Uh, Brittany Davis is one of those young women who she may not be flashy and she may not be scoring you know double figures but she sees the court so well she plays within herself she's smart she anticipates and she knows her teammates she you know she's one of the few point guards where we'll basically give her the leeway to call certain offenses or she'll see something out there and it's like if you see it go with it it's okay and you know most coaches um, don't like to relinquish control, but again, as a junior, we're giving her that option to say, okay, you know, go with what you see. If you want to make an adjustment, call it. It's, it's fine. Back to the 500. When we're talking, you're at about 498. Prefer not um, to talk about that. I know, but that's my job. I've got to bring it up. You caught me off guard on this uh, This is, this is the good uh, part. Yeah, okay. What does it mean, though, to be coming in on a milestone as significant as 500? after the years you put into this game? Well, I can give you the smart aleck answer. <laughs> Love it. I've, I'm uh, mature, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reality is I've been very blessed. You know, this has been a great fit. I've had a great run, and I've been so blessed to have some phenomenal young women uh, to be a part of our program. And uh, again, I, I look, I've had people that have said in the last couple of years, how can you still stay fresh after so many years? The kids have changed. I'm like, you know they have. You know, they keep me on my toes. It's all I can do to stay one step ahead. I used to be able to be two or three steps ahead of them. Now I'm one step ahead of them. But again, it, it, keep it in perspective. It's still about when you see these young women come in as freshmen and you're a part of that magnificent transformation that takes place from the time they're a freshman to a senior and they walk across the stage and, and graduate, it, it's a magnificent transformation. And to be able to be a part of that and watch them grow and, and help them hopefully be a part of that, you know, those are the days when you realize it's one of the best jobs in the world. You're only about 300 some odd wins away from what Mike Strong was able to put up, and you're halfway to Pat Summit. Should we be? Should we, will we ever see you get to those those uh, numbers? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think I'll live that long. But uh, I think by then it's probably time for somebody else to take over the reins. But it has been a great run, and again, I. I'm a competitor, but it's never really been about what's the win-loss record. It's been about are they having a good experience. Now, does that mean I don't get the win? Oh, I, I'm a fierce competitor. I yeah, we've seen lose. you on the sideline. I hate to lose, <laughs> and I've often said when the time comes that I don't mind losing, then it's time to you know to step aside because you know it is about at the end of the game you know who won and who didn't you know, but it's also about helping those kids reach their full potential, and it's. It's been a blast. I have a great staff. We would not be 500 without my staff. I've got a loyal support staff, and you know, Coach P, who's been by my side, and we're like, <laughs> we're like an old married couple that fights. Oil and, and vinegar sometimes. Yeah, we we are, but you know, he, he's got a, a great 
he's one of the best bench coaches I've ever been around. And, you know, he's been with me for 14 years. And we've seen a lot. And it, it's been a blast. It's been a, it's been a blast. Before I let you go, is this an NCAA caliber team? I, I think that this is a. T I think it is an NCAA caliber team. You know, I don't want to jinx them, but you know, I don't know that. I don't know that we're going to get an at-large bid. I think we know from uh, the beginning that you know we've got to get an automatic qualifier. Uh, we're always that's uh, our first option. You know, uh, we've had some. I've been fortunate to have some very talented teams, and we've only had one on one occasion when we've been there, uh, gotten to the big dance with an at-large bid. Um, and that was the year we won the conference outright and didn't quite, you know, win the, uh, the playoffs. But, uh, no, I, I think we can compete with anyone. And we're getting better and they're smarter and they're playing well together. My biggest concern is um, I, I'm not sure if we get to some of these teams that are bigger. Um, there's a big difference between playing a lineup that 6'2", six 6'1", six six foot, and, you know, and, and you're 5'4". Five three, yeah. Yeah. Um, five eight, six foot, and 5'9". There's a big difference there. But these kids are scrappy. They're working hard. They're listening. Um, you know, they're the, uh, I, I don't want to say they're the, you know, the, they're the train, that, that little chug up the oh, hill. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Keep, train you know, that could. could. The train that could. But they had an opportunity against Haverford after that, you know, loss at Muhlenberg to kind of, you know, step back on their heels, and and they did. They came out fighting, and they're going to continue to fight. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. Very good, Becky Martin. 34th season, closing in on 500. They have Franklin Marshall and Bryn, Bryn Mar ahead, obviously. Before, as we point out, Gettysburger, Sinus, and Hopkins. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might tune in? Uh, it's been a blast. If you're in the area, come see us play. We're one of the best games in town, and we're free. There you go. It is free basketball. Well, thanks so much for joining us. When we come back, plenty more Hoopsville on this special pre-recorded show here on Thursday. You're watching Hoopsville. We'll be back after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Certainly had a good show so far. Talked to a number of coaches around the country. 
Uh, and we hope you've enjoyed it so far. Again, we are at the NCAA convention, so this show was entirely pre-recorded. Uh, we'll be back on the air live on Sunday. At least that's the plan. Uh, so stick to it. Of course, 7 o'clock Eastern time is when we'll hit the air. Um, and in about a week, some odd time, we will be hopefully on the road to get some, some basketball games around the country as well. One of the pro segments we've had on this show over the last few years that has certainly been fun to do is our School of the Week segment. Of course, to be a School of the Week, you got to kind of get our attention when you don't normally are on our radar to begin with. Um, there's 400 and some odd schools in Division III, uh, which means 800 some odd schools in Division III basketball in men and women. It's, it's easy to be on the radar. It's very easy to be off the radar. And so the School of the Week gives us a chance to talk to schools we don't normally get the chance to talk to, and we haven't done that so far this season, so we're bringing it out tonight. And we certainly appreciate um, our first guest with that. Of course, we'll have some fun at the end. Our first guest and our first School of the Week for this year is Bard, school who is 7-6 and six overall, and we'll bring in their head coach to talk about the significance of that. Adam Turner joins us here on the show. Adam, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dave. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Seven and six overall. Five wins last season, four wins the season before that. You've had eight wins uh, once in a season in the last seven, eight odd years. This is a program that, that certainly does not have winning associated with it for whatever reasons. You guys are seven and six, two and two in the Liberty League. Couldn't resist talking to you uh, you got to be thrilled with how this season has started. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting uh, kind of contrast between, I'm sure a lot of the schools you talk to, seven and six would be somewhat of a disappointing start for uh, for some of the, the more traditional powerhouse schools. But for us as a basketball program that, that really is, is very young, we've only been in the Liberty League three years and, and really – uh, have been incidentally affiliated for for just over a decade, so it's um, it's been it's been definitely a, a growing process in my five years as the head coach. And seven and six is is a phenomenal start. You know, it's the most wins we've had since I've been the head coach, and uh, uh, like you said, it's the most wins we've had you know in, in about a decade. So it's it's really promising. You know, and one of the I think really uh, the the biggest things for us is we're so young, and so the best is still to come. You know, right now we're playing. Freshmen and sophomores, about 75, 80 percent of the minutes uh, that we have. So uh, for us, it's it's, you know, hey, next year and the year uh, after that are going to be really big. And, you know, even this year with, uh, with the way the league is, we can do some pretty special things. And we have a, a huge ceiling. You know, we're nowhere close to where we need to be, um, but but we can get there this year. So I'm excited for it. Should point out also young is yourself. You're an 06 grad of Bard. And so you're coaching your alma mater and and certainly helping kind of achieve where you guys are. Again, five wins last season. The fact you're already at seven wins, forgive the phrase, I've used it on the show before, you could lose the rest of the season and it would still be considered a successful season uh, for the Raptors. I mean, that's maybe a little weird to hear, but that's where you guys are already. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been crazy to think about, and I think one of the hardest things, especially for the young guys, is – they can get very caught up in uh, a lot of the, the success that they're having in comparison to where we've been, obviously. Uh, and and it's, it's been fun. You know, we beat uh, Union for the, the first time and not just our program's history, but in our school's history. Like I said, it's, it's little things like that that are a big deal. Uh, but at the same time, the potential of our group this year is to play in our conference tournament and, you know, to be a team that's getting uh, better down the stretch and growing as a lot of other teams are plateauing. 
um, and uh, and hopefully make some noise come you know February and March. And you can very easily, and we're kind of seeing that as as we found out last night, we lost to RPI, who was 0-4 in league, but a, a good team. That you can kind of get caught up in your success uh, at times and forget, hey, where have we been and where are we going? And so it's really important for us. I'm trying to take it one day at a time and one game at a time, and and keeping uh, you know the young guys. Uh, heads on straight, so they're kind of just focused on what they can control, which is today's practice, in all honesty. When you look at this team, again, you started the season with a loss to Haverford, but then you beat Swarthmore, two centennial teams there, though certainly near the bottom, but especially in Swarthmore trying to improve. Um, you got win over, uh, you played Lehman and, and played them tight. You played Hamilton, you played them tight. And, and for as you point out, if we're talking about another NESCAC school or another Centennial school or somebody else, that's a disappointing loss. The fact you played them tight says a lot. You guys then get a win over Medgar Evers. You get a win over Vassar, uh, a team that I think certainly may be underachieving this year. But for you guys, it's a significant victory. And then you talk about the win over Union. Um, and obviously you're going to see a few of these guys coming back here very soon. Uh, in conference play it's got to be driving the confidence with the team yeah the our, our confidence is is high you know and I think the guys kind of understand and, and they've understood from day one that with our schedule and, and our league this year which uh, in all honesty is it's just in flux a little bit we've had a, a bunch of coaching changes the last few years uh, a lot of the team from last year lost very very key guys mm-hmm. and so I told them from day one, our league this year is going to be about, you know, who gets hot late, like a lot of leagues are. Um, and I think with the the talent that we have this year, and most importantly, the size. You know, I thought last year, you know, we also had five wins going into conference play. We just had two of our three big guys get hurt. Uh, and, and the guys on our team felt like, hey, if we had a full front line, we could have competed last year, um, you know, on a level where we could have been 500 in conference or maybe even a little bit better. Uh, but losing the bigs last year hurt us, but it didn't hurt our confidence because the guys coming back felt like, you know what, if we keep everybody healthy, we know we can compete. And then we just kind of had an influx of, you know, really three, four young guys, new guys to our program that are playing massive roles. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of an influx, you know, help, helps a lot. And it made us deeper. You know, we're going eight, nine deep, where in the past we've only been able to really play maybe four or five guys that can really compete uh, at the level that we need to compete to, to, to win Liberty league games. So um, it's been, it's been incredible growth. And I think something that, you know, isn't obvious looking at, you know, everybody's records and just, you know, school uh, kind of standings and leagues is, you know, where have different schools been? And for Bard, it is, it's such a big deal because um, you know, our, our, our athletic program is very young. Um, You know, we just built a brand new baseball field. Uh, You know, we've added, eight sports in I think the last like six years. And so the growth here has been tremendous and it's really been um, building something. And, and that's kind of the, the sell to, to the recruits that we, that we brought in is, Hey, you can come in here and, and do something where it's never been done. You know, this is a program that since we've become NCAA affiliated, we really haven't had a winning season. We, we've really done nothing on a, on a national scale other than kind of build it to a place where we're ready for, you know, the next step. And that's kind of where we are right now. And it is, it's, it's very exciting. You look at your roster and, and who's contributing. You only have two seniors on this team. So this is a team certainly poised to continue building on what you've got so far. Um, you also have the all name team in the sense that I am going to butcher them if I'm not careful. So we're going to maybe stick with just last names here. 
Um, but Mosley, the freshman, is leading the team at 13.5 points a game, 6.5 rebounds a game, uh, shooting nearly 50% from the floor. And he's also a pretty good free throw shooter at 83%. Uh, Burnett, 10.5 points a game. He is your, your one of your two seniors. Um, and he's hauling in on top of that um, four and a half rebounds a game. Uh, Fabine Scotch, eight and a half points a game. Uh, Lichtenstein, which by the way I like. He's only played in seven games, but contributed when he can. Um, Johnson, you, know, you go deep into the bench here and talk about guys who are contributing. But the fact that it's a freshman, a senior, and a sophomore are your top three guys. I know I don't know many head coaches who wouldn't love that. Yeah, and the, the biggest thing for us is we had uh, two guys who didn't play first semester. One was a transfer and one's another freshman um, who, who, who didn't play. And, and, you know, against Vassar, you know, those two guys, you know, combined for over 15 points and, you know, like 20 combined minutes. And same thing in the Union game. Those two guys had a, a really big contribution. And you're only going to see their roles increase. Um, you know, Devontae Mosley, who, who's a freshman, is only going to get better. And he you know, has to get accustomed to the college game and, he kind of uh, kind of struggled the first couple conference games. Still has an impact on the game, but didn't score as much as he had out of conference. And then last night, you know, he had he had 18 points and looked like the guy that we saw first semester. So, like I said before, the best is really still to come for this group. They haven't gelled yet. You know, we're working in, like I said, two pieces that didn't play first semester who haven't played yet with all of our guys. And then, yeah, we have two seniors and one junior who play who, once again, have only had like 10-ish games under their belt with some of these new guys. And so – our best basketball is still to come. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is we have a, a group of freshmen and sophomores that are mature beyond their years. I've asked them to lead in a way that I think a lot of programs don't have to ask freshmen and sophomores to lead. And they've really stepped up to the plate. And that's a big reason why we're seven and six. And we could very easily be, you know, have four wins instead of seven, you know, very easily. The maturity of the group is what's special. And I think that's what's going to, you know, drive us going forward. When I look at this, you know, change, as it were, I got to think that it's already making an impact. And you talk about transfers already making an impact in the recruiting games, as it were. Are you already being able to see a difference in what you're able to talk about and what you're able to entice players uh, with this squad with already the success you're having this season? Yeah, I think, you know, more so than even winning tradition, what, what I've what I've found is. Uh, recruits and, and high school players, they want to be a part of something special. They want to feel that when they when they come on campus. They want to feel like a program's going somewhere, not just that it's been somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we have going for us is that, you know, over the last two to three years, if you step on campus and, and, and come see a practice or, you know, do an overnight as a recruit, I think you feel the energy that's not just behind Bart basketball but behind Bart athletics, and that's fun. You know, for, for a young kid that's 17, 18, you know, they're having a, a lot of schools recruit them. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of schools that are that are highly successful and have, have been to some big places. There's not many that can say, you know, hey, our athletic program is about 10 years old. You can come in here and be a pioneer and mm-hmm. be a guy that, you know, can do something over four years that's never been done in a place. and Walk away and put a banner on a wall that, that doesn't exist. And that's why guys like Devontae and even Cy, our senior four years ago, that's why they bought in here. They wanted to come and and build something and do it in, in kind of their own likeness and put their own fingerprints all over it. And that's, it's kind of the, the biggest, I think, selling point we have is, do you want to be somebody who 20 years from now can look back at your college career and go, uh, look where Bard College is now. And, and who did that? Well, I did that. And, you know, I always kind of liken it to, to the, the Duke players of the early 80s and Coach K's 
you know, first few years. And I think they had 10 wins in Coach K's first year. By the time they left, they were, you know, number one in the country, had gone to Final Fours, and they didn't win a national title, uh, but they were the guys who laid the foundation. And so, you know, that's that's kind of where we are. We're laying the foundation for, I hope, what is going to be, you know, uh, you know, three, four, five, six years down the road, something that, you know, you want to call me because, you know, we, we have 20 wins every year, and, and we yeah. can talk about the guys that started it, you know, four or five years ago. Well, you talk about this conference and the coaches that you have. It's it You kind of hinted on it that it's, it took a bit of a hit this year. You know, last year Hobart led the way, twenty-two and seven, thirteen and three in the conference. Vassar uh, made its appearance known, nineteen and eight, ten and six. They were tied with Rochester Tech and Clarkson and Skidmore, all at ten and six in the conference, all with winning records. This year, the conference is fascinating. You got Skidmore on top in conference play at four and zero, at seven and five. Clarkson is nine and two, two and zero in conference play. Union, who you pointed out, you guys beat. Eight and five, two and two. Rochester Tech, six and five, two and two. You guys, seven and six, two and two. Hobart, six and five, one and one. After you know uh, a major coaching change there, Vassar struggling at five and seven, one and two. What do we make of this conference this year? <laughs> you know, I've been saying from day one, just looking at the results in the non-conference play, it's going to be a year where you know there's going to be some random results. It's not always going to make sense. Um, you know, th- things aren't always going to, you know, connect when you look at the scores, it's going to be about who plays well on any given night. And, and to me, it's really going to be about, you know, which team comes together in late January, you know, who, who gels here in the next two to three weeks and starts playing really great basketball come February. Cause you look at the standings and other than Skidmore, who, by the way, uh, you know, coached by Joe Burke, I think one of the, the best division three coaches in the country, in my opinion, um, they should be, I mean, they, they lost to Babson. On a, on a really rough last second shot that was kind of a, it was like 0.6 seconds left. The ball was tipped. It wasn't, the clock wasn't started. You know, Babs is number 15 in the country. They could have easily beaten them. They, I think they lost to Williams in a tight one. So, I mean, Skidmore could be an at large team if it, a couple things had gone their way. They're very, very good. They killed us at their place. And, and they, to me, they're a shoe in for our conference tournament. And they have, you know, very, very good players in their upper class, uh, in their junior and senior class. So, to me, they're in. Everyone else, even you know RPI, who now is whatever one and four in league, it, it's up in the air. It's going to be who who plays well. You know, five hundred is going to get you into the league playoffs, in my opinion. So, for us especially, it's about you know let's figure this thing out one game at a time. Let's not overreact to any one win or any one loss. And I'm sure the other coaches have kind of the same approach. You know, with with a bunch of new guys implementing new systems or old older uh, older guys who have been there four, five, six years you know, implementing their system with new guys. So it's, um, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's definitely a league to, to kind of look out for. And there's going to be, I'm sure a bunch of buzzer beaters, a bunch of overtime games, games <laughs> come down to the last, you know, few seconds and we'll see where it all falls out in February. Of course, uh, you're not the only young gun in this conference. BJ Dunn, who's uh, four years behind you by graduation is uh, head coach at Vassar. So it's gotta be interesting to have uh, the, to have that kind of youth in the conference as well. Yeah, and Chris Murphy's the head coach at Union. I think he graduated either in 05 or 06, right around when I did. So it's definitely some young coaches, um, some guys who are getting their their, their first coaching jobs. Uh, you know, at, at RPI, you have Mark Gilbride, who's been in the league for years at Clarkson, now over at RPI. Um, it's fun. There's a lot of energy. Uh, we really we all get along, and they're phenomenal coaches. They know the game. They put a ton of work into it, uh, have a ton of respect for what they're doing with their programs, and 
when I came in, you know, it was interesting. It seemed to be a league full of uh, some old vets, you know, with Mike Neer uh, and, and Bob Montana at Union. Yeah. Uh, and now it's kind of gone the other way where it's a, it's a really youthful uh, league in terms of coaches and guys that are, in my opinion, future stars in the coaching business. And, and you're going to see, I think, multiple of them at the highest level of, of, of coaching here in the next decade. So some, some great coaches in our league. I don't know if it's points for you or against you, but if you take a picture of Dunn and yourself and put them next to each other, you still look like the young guy. So I, I get um, it. I get it. You know, I get it all the time. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> walk into a gym. Like I think we walked into Skidmore and, uh, you know, the, the facility coordinator who was welcoming us said, you know, Hey, is your, uh, is your coach here? I said, yeah, I'm the coach. So no, your head coach. And I was like, no, that's me too. So yeah. I, still, I still get that all the time. I'm 31 and people say I, I look like a player. So I guess hey, I'll, there's, hey I'll it means it. you'll stay young longer. Yeah. yeah, I'll take it. Hey, uh, part of the school of the week and the part of the fun we have is we get to ask a, a few trivia questions uh, of our guest, if you don't mind. If you don't, uh, if you, I hope you have uh, some enjoyment of this. It's about your school. It's about your program. It's about your athletic department. It could be anything about that. It's a Bard related. Now, you being an alum, you have a little bit of a leg up sometimes versus some other coaches um, who do this, but that doesn't mean they might not be difficult. I will thank your SID, Jim, for helping me with these. There are a couple that are some doozies, and there are a couple that if you get wrong, you might not be able to walk into practice later. I'm just saying that now. Um, so if you don't mind, can we have a little fun with you? Yeah, let's do it. I think I got three or five last time I was on. So I'm just okay. To All right. Practice. All right. Well, Let's see how this works out then. Last time you were on, by the way, you should point out we had you on on a great uh, – a couple years ago talking about a a great fundraiser where you took your shoes off. Uh, Really, we keep the shoes on, all right? Coaches versus cancer with sneakers. Totally fine. Yeah, all right. And the Samaritan's feet with no shoes and smell, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's nice and all, but come on. All right, so here's your first question. In what year was the school founded and what was it called when it was founded? I was a tour guide, so I have a little leg up. Oh, see, that's not fair. 1860, and it was called St. Stephen's. You're correct. If I had known this, uh, if it was renamed, by the way, Bard in 1934 in honor of its founder, John Bard, you probably would have gotten that too. Got it, yeah. Uh, I have a feeling a couple of these are going to go your way being a former tour guide. We'll see. We'll see what Jim has. Let's see. Number two, Bard's athletic mascot is the Raptor, which, by the way, is pretty cool. Um, not that I see many Raptors on the Hudson. Um, what are the two previous athletic nicknames the teams have had, or the you know the program has had uh, before they became the Raptors? Wow, two. I know one. Okay, well that's that's before before we were the Raptors, it was the Blazers. Okay, you got that, but we're looking for the other one. Wow, yeah, he's gonna get me on this. I I, I uh, it has to be from like the early twenty. Bard used to compete in football against. You know, Yale and Harvard back in like the 20s. It used to be like an Ivy League football school, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> the Saints. Wow. Pulling that out of your. St. Stephen Saints. That's got to be what it is. Wow, that is it. And now the funny thing is he writes Saints back at the turn of the century. I should have emailed him back and said, which century? Yeah. Uh, then they became the Blazers and now the Raptors. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm, I'm, I'm less confident that you're not going to get all of these. Um, name the Bard graduate whose amazing career began on Saturday Night Live. Oh, Chevy Chase. Yes. See, this is yeah. why I have very little confidence that you're not going to get all of these now. See, I hope. I hope. Three for five. It was a bad, bad. 
everybody. Well, it was that's average. That's average. We're looking for four now. Four for four, if you can hear. Name the jazz rock band founded at Bard, which produced numerous hits before you might have been born in the 1970s. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't born, but I listened to Steely Dan. Every Dang, day. you're four for four. All right, it's, the next one. My old school, right? That was about Bard. Yeah, I know. This oh. is bad. This is bad. We, we should have talked to Jim a little bit clearer about the, your tour guiding <laughs> days. Uh, number, number five. This one's tricky. Which athletic program at Bard has won the most conference games since the Raptors joined the Liberty League in the fall of 2011? Uh, that's going to be a pretty easy one, I think. Uh, there, there's only been two other wins in the Liberty League uh, for, our, for our athletic program so far. And we're going to amend that here in the next couple of years. But we've actually had the fortune of winning, uh, I think, Five of them, five five games. So uh, us men's basketball. Yeah, it's men's basketball. Five for five. I thought those were gonna be tough until I heard the words. I used to be a tour guide here. The first couple were tough. The first couple, I don't think most alums would have gotten. So I'm, I'm proud of myself well, for those. Pulling the saint out was pretty impressive. Now, if Jim's behind the scenes giving you the answers, I'm gonna have a long <laughs> conversation. No, I didn't think he was. Uh, well, thanks so much for playing along. Five for five is pretty rare, to be honest with you. I don't think it happens more than once a year. So uh, the first one out of the gate, five for five, not too bad. Congratulations on that. Hopefully that translates on to Rochester Tech, who you'll take on on Friday before then taking on Hobart. Um, and, of course, Clarkson and St. Louis, or St. Lawrence, I should say, I had home before that rematch with Union and Skidmore in the future. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? No, th thanks for doing this, Dave. I think the, the program is great. Uh, you know, any exposure to, that we can get as division three coaches and teams, I think is just phenomenal because we play such a, 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 you hear it all the time, but such a pure form of basketball. And I think for somebody who really loves the game, watching a division three basketball game is, 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 is beautiful. You know, I, I, I'm on, on D3 Hoops all the time watching live streams, you know, when, when our team isn't playing. And after our season's ended, you know, I'm watching tournament games and conference tournament games. And so I just love what you guys do. I listen to the program all the time and uh, and keep it up. Keep it up. And I appreciate it. Very good. Well, thank you for the kind words, sir. Appreciate it myself. Uh, seven and six on a season. Looking forward to watching how the Raptors do the rest of the season. Thank you, sir. As Coach Adam Turner from Bard, again, Team 7-6 overall, 2-2 two two in Liberty League Conference play. We pointed out Rochester Tech and Hobart on the road coming up this weekend. They'll then take on Clarkson and St. Lawrence the following weekend at home. And then the following weekend, the last one in January, they'll take on Union and Skidmore. Also at home, of course, lots more to play after that. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Also, to give you an idea of what we'll be watching at the NCAA convention. That's all coming up here on Hoopsville. If you want to interact with us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Facebook us at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. 
I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other end of the day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. And welcome back to Hoopsell, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this pre-recorded show that we put together. I want to thank all of our guests who've been on the show, from Chapman's Mike Mikowski, from uh, Bukowski, I should say, uh, Mike Raniak from New Paul's. Of course, want to thank um, Coach Hans from Thomas More, Becky Martin from McDaniel, and of course, Adam Turner from Bard. Appreciate them taking the time to join us on the show. Before we wrap up the show, should point out what we are uh, going to be doing at the NCA convention. There's a lot of items on the table, and I'm not going to be able to name them all right now, but certainly ones that affect basketball, but Division Three on the whole, um, from financial to recruiting to scheduling. Um, again, can't cover them all, but we certainly will tackle a few of them. Um, some of them to keep in mind, recruiting, for example, uh, they're looking to allow Division three coaches to start talking to students at the end of their sophomore years of high school versus the current rule, which is junior. Also looking to, let's say there's a basketball event going on, it's over the course of three days, and the Division three coach can only show up on the first day. And the rules as they exist now, that coach cannot talk to that recruit until the event is over, which means trying to find a time to make a phone call or whatnot. Uh, and they might not be able to attend that last day. They're looking to change that rule that the, you can talk to a recruit during that window of time of the event is taking place, not necessarily waiting until it is all over. There's some pluses and minuses of that, but I certainly think it's a good one. Another one is signing a letter of intent that is completely non-binding. The idea being more of a promotional type thing, PR type thing. Or for, let's say, those student-athletes in small towns, it's a big deal for them to say where they're going and you know, pretend they're like a D1 guy and put a hat on or whatever they want to do. But it's a non-binding letter. It's more for pomp and circumstance. Uh, certainly uh, something I think would be nice. Another recruiting idea is whether to allow when a recruit is on a visit to put them through a skills test, for lack of a better description. Um, lots of pluses and minuses to that, insurance concerns, but also the fact that students in, in Division Three are looked upon about looking at a school for the school and not being trying out for a coach. So there's a lot of debate over those things, and we'll certainly be covering those debates and discussing what might happen at the votes. Furthermore, we also have financial decisions to make, especially on the championship side of things, whether a reduction of about 10% to travel parties will be approved. That 10% reduction will not affect student-athletes because the same number of student-athletes will travel. Basketball, there's 12, for example. Um, but it will reduce the amount of support staff that the NCAA is paying for. It does not mean that support staff can't still travel. That Schools would just have to pick up the bill themselves. 
Uh, another idea in the championships is getting rid of uh, or knocking down the per diem to about ninety dollars a day for student athletes. It was supposed to be ninety-five. Uh, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be a hundred dollars this year. It usually goes up five dollars a year. Uh, it is frozen at ninety-five right now. They think there's a good savings if it goes down to ninety. Also, getting rid of the per diem, the half-day per diem, basically. So if it's at ninety-five, it's like forty-seven fifty right now for those uh, who are the home team. Um, hosting the event, just getting rid of their per diem in general. Pluses and minuses to all of this, and certainly will be discussed. There's other budgetary ideas out there, including um, giving a three-day window between the championship bracket being announced and when a team can first travel. That will have a little bit of an effect in Division Three basketball, um, especially on the men's side where they they got the Thursday game. That might have to move to Friday. How that all plays out is to be determined because it has to be voted on first. Obviously, will not happen for this year. This would be down the road as well. Uh, and some other factors. So those we'll keep in mind as well. And then there's the 10%. Now, it may not even, uh, reduction in games, it may not even be voted on uh, at the convention at all. Uh, as of me talking about this, I don't know the answer. Uh, it is on the docket because once it's there, it's there. They might go and say, we, listen, this is not going to be voted on. We're going to rescind it. They might go and say, we're going to uh, vote on it. Um, or I should say they're going to vote on it, but everybody who supported it has pulled their support back. That usually ends up meaning that uh, the um, vote will will be basically null and void. People will vote but there won't be any push to vote against it or for it. It'll basically get voted down in overwhelming fashion. And then the other option is it votes as it should have normally. There were some gender equity issues about this. Basketball would have been affected by losing one game and one scrimmage. Um, other sports could have lost up to four games. Again, don't know if this will be voted on. It's certainly the topic of conversation um, in Division Three. We'll see what happens when it plays out. Um, at the convention. And so I will be there for that uh, in both the role of D3 Hoops, or part of Hoopsville, I should say, and part of the YD3 show. We'll be talking to student-athletes when we get the opportunity. We'll talk to some other people there. Uh, we'll talk to those involved with those bills as well as they pass or don't pass uh, throughout our time there. So lots to cover. We'll be getting there Thursday and staying through Saturday. You can follow us on Twitter, not only at D3 Hoopsville. Also follow me on my personal Twitter, at Dave McHugh. You can also follow me uh, or follow the at YD3 show um, for updates on a lot of things and, of course, videos and whatnot. We'll have meetings with people as well. So uh, if you have questions you want us to tackle or want to look at or see if you can get us answers to, we'll certainly do our best. You can certainly contact us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or dave.mchugh at d3sports.com via email or via Twitter. Uh, you can contact us, and we will do our best to keep you up to date with what is going on. Of course, you can follow the YD3 hashtag uh, for everything. You can also follow the D3H hashtag in basketball and whatnot. We'll keep you as informed as we can from the uh, National Harbor Gaylord Center in, just outside Washington, D.C., Got an interesting week ahead. We'll have some interviews lined up for Sunday coming up. Certainly lots to talk about in the South, New England, Atlantic, and Central regions, along with the rest of Division Three basketball. We'll get you up to date starting at 7 o'clock Eastern time here 
on the show. So if you have any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll certainly try and answer as many of your questions as we possibly can when we're on the air, off the air, or whatnot. Again, we'll be back on the air Sunday. That will be our big day to be back live, and we'll give you updates as to where we may be traveling next. And, of course, the 12-Hour Marathon Show and our Hoopsville Fundraising Campaign Part 2. That should do it. I want to thank, again, our coaches from around the country. Uh, McDaniel, uh, women's basketball. Um, Becky Martin, I want to thank New Paul's men's basketball coach, Mike uh, Raniak. Saint, uh, Thomas Moore's me- women's basketball coach, Coach Hans. Uh, West uh, from the West, Chapman's men's basketball coach, Mike Bukowski, and, of course, our School of the Week, Bard men's basketball coach, Adam Turner. Thanks for joining us on the show, everybody there. Thanks for tuning in to the entire show, the non-live version, whether you listen to it on the podcast through SoundCloud or, of course, via YouTube on our uh, live video feed. We appreciate you taking the time. Let your friends know about the show as well. Hoopsville... Um, is, a, uh, is presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We certainly appreciate your uh, your fanhood, as it were. We hope you have a good rest of the season and enjoy the weekend of basketball. We'll be back here Sunday night at 7 o'clock Eastern. Good night, everybody. <laughs>